welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Wow, I kind of sped through that. I apologize, Daniel. It's all good. I don't know why I, I felt the need, like, I was caught off guard by the, all right, we're filming Click, and then, oh, <laughs> thank you for going. Uh, went back to my call center days of, thank you for going. How can I help you? Oh, man, that was like the worst job ever, and I was only there for like three weeks. I was there for four and a half years at the first one. Vault? No, it was uh, for DirecTV. Oh, okay, yes, yeah. I tell. Yeah. yeah. We tell can say these names. They're not here anymore. That's true. They don't exist. So, I was looking through my list today. And before anything else, I just want to talk about this. I already know what my theme is along these lists, and that's the list of the new games. Hands down. I have about four or five new games to list. So, this one is list of new games... And also, slash, uh, there's a couple drops and actually a couple climbs in here, too. Or a few drops and climbs and yeah. a lot of new games. A lot of minor climbs, for sure. Oh, we should talk about what we're talking about. <laughs> Viewers at home, we are, we are, we just if jumped If you don't know it. by now. That's right. I don't know why you would start on this one of all of them. But we are talking about our top 100 games of all time. This is our redo. Um, last time we did it was about a year and a half ago. Right now, it is currently February in the middle of 2023. It's, Actually, it's the last day of February. Yes, that's right. We only have one more day in February, which is awesome because I'm kind of tired of February. I'm tired of the wind. That's my That's right. Because this is our windy season. We talked about this on our last episode that we're oh, almost I, dying. I forgot to mention it to you. Not only am I dying, I just got <laughs> over a sinus infection because of the wind. Oh, wow. And two, we got to get a new roof. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Did you have damage? Uh, it threw a lot of our shingles off. Like, um, the skylight over our garage is just pretty much a bald patch. I found out that one of our local bookstores, um, the one over on, uh, you know, our really big bookstore, mm -hmm. they're not a sponsor, so I don't want to say their name. The smaller one or the bigger one? The smaller of the two buildings, uh -huh. the roof caved in. Oh! And I oh, drove by, those... they had to close in. Close up the whole store just oh, because of yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Well, at yeah. least it wasn't raining as well. So Thank goodness. Protected, the books were pretty much safe. Here in New Mexico, this is simply called a haboob, which is basically a oh, giant no, dust that, cloud. That wasn't even a haboob. I mean, we were getting tropical storm. Uh, we were getting yeah. gusts of 75. Yep. Yep. So, it, was, it was absolutely crazy. My wife told me it was a bad idea to fly the drone. I, I should have listened. No. <laughs> it was it was a bad, bad thing. So, um... Uh, we're in talks or they're going to take care of it our landlords and they're in talks with their insurance to get it covered and everything yeah. but yeah it's just it just destroyed our roof yeah. and so they had people come over and look at it today well I was in another city no oh, yeah <laughs> I haven't even double checked my roof but I hope it's okay it well, could have blown off the it figures although I do know I, I have a trampoline in the backyard it's Sorry, yours, I right? had a trampoline in the backyard. No, I'm just kidding. Well, did, <laughs> earlier, it, did the trampoline given to you as a gift as a win? <laughs> no, no, no. It was never given. We bought it. But at one point, our neighbor, like, me and my wife, we were just passed out, you know. Like, we were trying to relax as much as we could because our allergies were killing us. And we hear a knock and a ring doorbell, and we're like, oh, no. So we look at our phone because we have a camera, and we saw it was our neighbor. So, you know, I got ready, ran out there. And he was like, hey, you need, a, you need to take care of your trampoline? I look over, and it's at a 45-degree angle on our fence. And like, <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and jump back there, tear it down. Yeah, yeah, it's just, 
it's been crazy. So I'm yeah. looking forward to uh, a game night where we could. Speaking of game night, we actually played some fun games last week. That's right. We really did. Um, in this, fact, this was your pick, right? Well, yeah. One of those games was already in my... Or actually, two of those games were mm-hmm. already in my top 100. Yep. And I believe one more is in this... Yep. One more is in this one. Yeah. And I, I was very excited to play one of them, and that might be the one that's on this list, right? <laughs> it might be, All yeah. right. So we'll talk about it when we talk about it. Um, yeah. Overall, fun list. But let's get into it. Uh, today we're going to talk about number 40 through 21, our, our penultimate list. Yep. We're going to be going through these and talk about which ones they were, what their previous rankings were, and uh, where they stand with us currently. Are you ready to get started? Yeah, I just wanted to mention real quick the two games that I was talking about that already were on the list was my number 66, so you might want to go look back and find out what number what that game was, and my number, uh, I just had it, yeah, 51. Okay. I don't remember what either of those were. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess you have to go back and listen to it. I guess so. That is not <laughs> happening. All right. <laughs> number 40, let, let us begin. Yep. We'll start off with me. Okay. My number 40 is one of those ones that it's new to the list, technically, and I don't know why. Last time this happened, it was Azul Summer Pavilion. That was mm-hmm. a different one. Not not on the not this one right now. On the but my number list. 40... There was a previous one where we're like, okay, I think it was there because I picked like the best of the Azul, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Sure which one it is. This one I legitimately don't know why it wasn't on the list. Okay. Onitama. Yeah, that, that that's weird. I've had that game for years. Yeah, you were the one that showed it. I even yeah. own a copy of it. Yep, but I mean, I don't know why it was never on the list before, but I found it today. Onitama, <coughs> that is my number uh, 40. I love this game. It's like stra- it's like chess, but it's um, more strategic. I- well, no, no it's, like, it's less strategic. E- there's not that many pieces either. No, it's not as complicated. But for some reason, I suck at chess, and I just don't have fun playing it. Yeah, I I, I enjoy chess. I've never been good. I have never been good at it, but I've always enjoyed it. I I was in a chess club when I was younger. No, um, so was I. Uh, between uh, off seasons, basically, I was like, yeah, all right, I'll do this. And yeah. It's just it was fun. Um, Enjoyable, but I think it's more because of the group I was with. Because this is back in middle school, and a lot of my friends were playing chess. So yeah, yeah. I when I was in chess, I was in elementary school, and I entered in a chess uh, tournament with our our club. And I got sixth place. I got a ribbon for it, even. Well, it's funny. I entered a chess tournament in uh, middle school, and it was like the day of the homecoming dance, and I lost in three moves. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I lost pretty quick too. <laughs> but you haven't asked how many people were in that tournament. Six. Six. <laughs> Uh, I still was, got a ribbon. There was actually like 20-some-odd people in our tournament. Oh, Mr. Fancy Pants. Well, I no. won one game and lost the next one in three moves, so I was right. able to go to the dance still. No, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty fun. No, I, I didn't... I, I just never had fun playing chess. I respect it. I even ran a chess club when I was a teacher. Yeah. Um, I still am, but at a previous school. I have a lot of respect for it. My son loves it. He loves playing it. I just... I don't know. Well, that's something because your about son's it. smarter than you. It's true. Yes, <laughs> significantly so. But there's something about it that I just don't enjoy. I don't know what it is about it. And I love abstract strategies. And Onitama is a great alternative for that. If you don't like chess for whatever reason, 
you might still like Onitan, though, because that's definitely true for myself. Well, and it's also because it's a lot of open information, too. Yes. It's because you, you are, are beholden to the cards. Yes. And so what people don't know, there's a stack of cards, but you're only playing with five cards the yes. entire time. You have two in front of you, there's one that's neutral, and there's two in front of your opponent, and anytime mm-hmm. you use a card to move a piece, yep. you have to take that card and put it in the middle and take the one that's been sitting out. That's right. So, so, using the cards, it's kind of like that drafting game that we played, that space one, mm-hmm. where the cards you use gets drafted to the other players. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. That's such a cool, smart, brilliant mechanism that works really well, and it makes it really fascinating. On There's certain cards that you want to hold on to for longer than not, but then when you use them, you know that your opponent's going to get them in two turns. It's brilliant. I love it. Onitama, that's my number 40. All right, my number 40 is a game that I haven't played in ages. For a reason. Is it through the ages? No. But on the brighter note here, I it's been such a while, I wouldn't mind playing another system of this. Because it is a campaign slash legacy game. Okay. In fact, I, like I believe it is my favorite legacy game. And it moved up from number 98 to number 40. And again, I haven't played it. It's just how the game is live. Because I think what it is is like... Every time it popped up, I was like, oh, man, that was so much fun. And I just clicked on it. Mind you, I haven't played it about two, three years when I was living in the old place. Oh, wow. Uh, I think this is actually one of your favorite legacy games, too. Hmm. You want to take a guess? Uh, Jeez. Um, Pandemic? No. One of my favorite charter stuff? Nope. I think Pandemic, yeah, Pandemic fell. It went from 11 Betrayal? to Betrayal Legacy. It is one of my favorites, yeah. Uh, Betrayal's awesome. I, I really had a blast with this game, and every time it came up on Pub Meeple, I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, that was so much fun. And when we talk about when our top eight debates about mm-hmm. memorable moments or creating uh, yes, it was. a game immersion, when every because there's a whole rule in that thing. When you take a certain piece out, you have to come up with a chant, and you have to do it every time. <laughs> and we came up with a chant and did it every time. <laughs> We get true to it. And then we yelled at each other for not respecting whatever that thing is, because I don't want to give spoilers on it, but... <laughs> right. My, my favorite part about that particular item, and again, there's, there's not... Um, this isn't spoilers, but none of us really trusted it. <laughs> and whenever it was in front of uh, one player, you know, we'd just be playing, and then as throughout the course of play, suddenly it would appear in front of another player. And then it like, it would look at the player next to it was like... And, you know, <laughs> it was like, I don't want this juju over here, and somehow you snuck it to another player. Yeah, exactly. That was one of the funniest things. Uh, uh, that was a great moment. Uh, my favorite thing about when that happened is like, because we had one friend that always showed up later than the rest of us, yes. and so we had it all set up, and we were just waiting for him, and he was on his way. And so we'd always set it in front of where he's going to be, and he'd come in, come on, guys. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, just that one that one portion of the game alone yeah. was just so phenomenal. And the thing about it, I like it too, is the way they they did the legacy part of it, yes. where um, you're technically not playing the same character, but you're playing the same family yes. every time you play it. So I really, really did enjoy that because this is supposed to take place over several, like at least a hundred years or something like that. Yeah, uh, 300 years? 300 years or something like that. So there's It's a, a time, generation every yeah. time you play it. Yeah, it's like a time jump every time you play it or something yeah. like that. Oh it's, yeah, 1600s to like almost modern day. Yeah, so it is. It's, it was a blast. I really do enjoy it. In fact, it's been a while since I played it. So, And this is what I always said about legacy games. Yeah. If it's been a while, 
I'm not going to know all the story itself because the decisions you make as you go through the game right. or you win and lose and stuff like that. Like Pandemic Legacy, I probably wouldn't play again. Because in the basic pandemic, that's what you're playing. You're doing the same thing. Sure. I'm never going to get that, oh, aha moment in Pandemic right. Legacy 1. But Betrayal Legacy, there wasn't a true aha moment, but it was more just the stories that you're making right. with your the other group in there. And the fact that it can change every time, too. Yes. So I really, really did enjoy it. So Betrayal Legacy, my number 40. Awesome. Number 39. I'll start us off again. Okay. This one is legitimately new to my list. It is a cooperative game that uh, I had just played recently. I played the simple version. I tried playing the app. And then I finally bought the full version. Uh, by bought, I mean I received it on Christmas. And even uh, after uh, one full play, I've had a lot of partial plays, but after one full play, this had to go on my list. I see why it's so ranked high mm-hmm. on Board Game Geek. It's like in the top ten of I all mean, time. I mean, just other people uh, yeah. that do this kind of stuff, podcast, yes. top tens, top yes. 100s. They rave it, about this Yeah, one. And you still haven't played it, right? No, I still no, haven't Okay, played. I'll fix that one day. But it's, uh, I have only saw one flaw in it in that we played as a four-player game, which... Pretty much everyone says don't. Don't, yeah. Don't, which I get why we played it, but it took us almost four and a half hours. Yeah, and It was I, a long time. And I think about it, too, it's like another thing people say is that because there's certain things that you do mm-hmm. uh, that can be impactful, but if someone else has to do something because they have a really cool yes. move that can screw up your impactful move, and you're working together, and that could be a yep. thing sometimes. Yep. No, it, it's, it's stressful. So specifically, this game is Spirit Island. Now, I ranked Spirit Island. I, I first played Horizons of Spirit Island, which mm-hmm. is the Target exclusive. Yeah. Like, 30 bucks. Great introduction into the game. Um, I, I like it a lot. It I is, mean, it's... It's pretty it's, much the It same doesn't thing. make it an introductory game. It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. I saw a, what, a good review. One to three players to, rather than one yes, to four? Yes, one to three. Um, and honestly, you shouldn't play a four. You really shouldn't. Um, not just Horizons, but even the base game. It's just too long, honestly. But I played it on the one to three version. Two players is fantastic. Three players is still a little long. One, I don't play solo games if I can play a multiplayer. Yeah. So I like it a lot, though. All the characters are different. It's really cool strategy. The timing on some of the cards can be fast action, so you play them before the settlers take their actions. Some of them are slow action, so you take it after. Finding out that timing of where they're going to ravage the ground, what where they're going to settle, where they're going to build up even more is all sorts of different variables that you have to consider but have legitimately good thought um in a four-player game though um there would be you would plan out a whole turn and there'd be one slight wrinkle and then everyone had to replan all their turns that's kind of the big thing um a mutual friend of ours jim he he ended up being very frustrated with that part of it because he he was like okay no he was like it was like, we spent 15 minutes on this turn, and I ended up not doing anything. Yeah. Because he just couldn't. Yeah. Anyways, his turn. And I get it. That's super frustrating. So, but it could have also been, you know, the group, or could have been a number of factors, just because most of us were new to the game. Yeah. I, I was pretty familiar with it, because I studied the, yeah, it. It was like, it was three new players to a game that yeah, has this is, a lot of headway to it. Right, right. And so I think that if I played it again with him with, as a two-player only, he would appreciate it a lot more. But there you go. Spirit Island. I adore this game. I see why everyone is ranting about it. It's awesome. It cool. jumped way up onto my list. Number 39 after just a few plays. 
All right, so moving on to my number 39, I do want to, before we get to my 39, I want to mention the fact that we are sitting at this moment at eight crossovers. Eight crossovers, that's right. And I bet on 15, 15 and you bet I on bet 10. 10. So I'm, I, I already know for a fact I'm losing that right now. Okay, uh, well, that's good. So this is a new one to the list, and I hate the sequel to this one. Ooh, uh, okay. I was not a fan to, I, I wouldn't say hate, I highly dislike the sequel to the point where I sold it, because I'd rather play this version. Um, this one is an economic game. <laughs> that one hurts him, because he knows I'm not a huge fan of economic games. No. It, it It is a longer, not too long economic game, but it takes a lot longer than you would think. Uh, I don't think you could see it. I think it's buried. Well, over. yeah, you sold it. No, I sold the sequel. Yeah, I don't and know. How's it going, Corrupt Senate? Yeah, this one is hey, Raccoon. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. Uh, I love everything about this game. Should have guessed you're, that. You're either playing a card to gather some resources and increase the price of other resources. Mm-hmm. Um, you're trying to sell resources as they're higher for you can get money to help you buy different companies in a sense like top dog or fat cat because you know, you're trying to get a whole different set of those for everyone it gives you more right. money uh you're also trying to buy uh stations i believe so there's a lot going on in this game that is so much uh fun in a sense or like g- quite fun the only th- yeah and the bidding on it is really good um I uh, forgot to mention that The bidding part. is fantastic in that game. But what I really, really enjoy about this game is that it's so simple. Yes. Uh, Lizard Wizard made something that's so simple, so good, mm-hmm. and made it ridiculous. You have a little pusher lock, you have which only take two hits and you're done, so there's yep. not that much pusher lock. Uh, then you have to combo this with this with this to get these points. You have two different currencies in there, one to help you get this thing and another currency to help you get spells and stuff like that. It, at that point, I was just like, I'm done. Uh, we didn't even finish the game. We were just like, no, this is, let's just call it. You won, whatever, because three hours later, we're still just miserable. Yeah. Whereas Raccoon Tycoon, I've played that a couple times, or a few times, and once you get going, it goes faster, but the first couple times I played it, it took an hour and a half or so, so like that. Yeah. But economic that. games can be longer. Sure. But this one, once you get going and you know what you're doing, it plays pretty quickly. Like the the third or fourth time I played it, I was under an hour. Yeah, and this is proof that Euro games and economic games can be pretty too. Oh yeah, it's really well done. It's got some great great art and stuff yep. like that. I think uh, highly of it. But it's funny because I really love Raccoon Tycoon, but Wizard Lizard, you know, hurt me. I well, not hurt me, but it just I didn't like it. It upset you. Yeah, yeah it upset me. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> to the point where I was like, after I played Lizard Wizard, I actually backed out of Mosaic because <laughs> I'm wow. like, I don't know, I don't know. I've heard really good things about Mosaic. I may pick up myself a copy if I find one. Sure. Yeah. But honestly, I wasn't going to pay that kind of money on a Kickstarter. When I wasn't sure, especially after the two games I played, I really, really enjoyed one, and I mm-hmm. really, really disliked another. So it's like, 
from what I'm seeing with this company, I'm either going to really, really like Mosaic or I'm going to really, really dislike right. Mosaic. You know, one thing that I really found fascinating with that is, you know how I like like little subtle but really ingenious, like little yeah. nuances? Those are my favorite things in games. If I find like a little smart nuance, like in Scout, how like how the, the card you take from the other player, you put it in your hand anywhere, I love that. Mm-hmm. This one, the supply and demand aspect of it, when you sold the cards, you sold out the price and then reduced it by the number of cards you sold. No, uh, the resources. The resources. So the yeah. way this one worked is that when you play I a card, love that. you you gain the resources from the top, and you have to choose which resources you're going to get. Right. So, so sometimes it'll have like f- anywhere from three to five resources, but you can only ever pick three. Mm-hmm. But if you had something that gives you a bonus every time you take this resource, you get an extra one of that source. Right. And I love that. But on the bottom part of the card, it raises the economic demand of yes. certain items. And then on your next turn, you're like, okay, I got enough of these. I'll sell yep. these, which then lowers the demand for them. The demand, that's the best part. Is because if I sold three of those resources, right? Uh-huh. Then it lowers it by three spots, but only after I get that. Yeah. So if it's at value to eight or whatever, and then I you get sell twenty four. You drop it to five. Yeah, you drop it to five. Yeah. It, that's such a smart, simple way to do that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I love that game. Uh, in fact, I found a Kickstarter exclusive expansion in the wild. Uh, oh. Wow. So yeah, that's why I have the big box and those mm-hmm. big chunky wood pieces yep. now, because I got it for a birthday gift that my wife gave me because I've been really wanting to play it. And I'm like, man, I really loved it. And when we did one of our uh, cell runs, I found it in one uh, the third one, uh, third yep. one of Bookman's, and I was like, yeah, give me that. I'll take that right yep, now. Yeah, hundred percent. Now, it, if if I ever find a used copy of it, I'll probably pick it up. I oh, liked yeah. it a lot. It's it was good. really good. All right, our number thirty-eight. Our number thirty-eight. And yes, we are here this week, Rob. <laughs> Thank goodness. Last week we were here, but we we're just yeah. early. And it's funny because we're trying to get this done because in two weeks both of us have to be gone. I'm going right. to be in California and you're going to be up at a cabin. Yep. Who's starting me? In the woods. Yep. Yeah. Well, you find Speaking of betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Can I borrow a final girl? That'd be great. All right. So my number 38 uh, is another new one to the list. In fact, this is relatively new, too. We only played it uh, a few times at, towards the end of last year and early this year. Mm, okay. It's actually from one of your favorite designers and one who is climbing on my favorite designer list. So anytime I see his name, I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued. Is he still alive? Oh, yeah. Okay. Then it wasn't who I thought it was. <laughs> so. I mean, I have a lot of designers I'm really quite fond of. Uh, we've actually had him on the show for okay. Game Breakdown. John DeClaire? John DeClaire. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> I, I, I figured out who it was. This one is Ready, Set, Bet. Oh, yeah. To me, this is... It's not a great game. It's not a perfect game. But it's a fun game. Yeah? And okay. that's the big thing is... Because it, it's really... It, it gives you... Like you're a railbird. Like you're you're at real horse races yes. tracks. Especially when you're using the app because you're sitting there, go number two, go <laughs> number two, and stuff like that. So you want them to keep moving. You're trying to place your bets. You get special powers that allow you to do something as you're going along. And you're trying to make sure you have your proper bets in there. I love the real-time aspect of it. I'm not a huge real-time uh, um, player. I don't like a lot of, like, there's a few, like Fuse, this sure. one, uh, a lot of it is really, really fun, or what was the most recent one we played? Project Elite, that was a good one, yes. too. Mm-hmm. But there's also others that just stress me the heck out, and I and not in a good way, I just like, no, I can't, no, I can't do this. Pendulum is one of them. 
Uh, I like the game from what I've played, but because of the real-time aspect and the worker placement part, it stresses me out. Um, especially since in solo you have to play that way, whereas right. in like the normal one you can you can learn the game without playing yeah, the. Uh, you do it turn by turn. Yeah, and so I I like some real time games, and this one does it because it's this one is just straight fun. You get mad at someone for taking a spot that you want to go to, but if you have a player card, you can just piggyback off that person, <laughs> like we did, and it just it's hilarious because you just have. A group like when we played it here, there was a group of us, the four of us, just yelling at a screen that my wife had to come up front to see what was going on. So yeah, it is really, really good. And yeah. uh, corrupt, I do want to try Rolling Heights. I heard it's really good. Yeah, me too. All right, my number thirty-eight is uh, rose two spots from number forty. Okay. So very, very much stable. So it would have been and in the same list the last time. Yes, it would have. And on top of that. This is one of your favorite Spiel de Jar winners. Spiel de Jar winners? It is a Spiel de Jar winner, and it is one of your favorites. Is it new-ish? No. It is about 2006. What is it? Uh, El Grande? Nope. Okay. That was much older. Oh, that was much older. That was like 98, I think. Something like that. Huh. Yeah, I'm trying to think of all the Spiel de Jar's winners. That, uh, from 2006... Mm -hmm. I know it's not Dixie. It's set in Germany. Oh, Turn in Taxis. Turn in Taxis. All right, that was too obvious. So, man. Yeah, Turn in Taxis. No, I do like Turn in Taxis. I think it fell off my top 100, though. And it's just because we haven't played it. Yeah, yeah I think if we played it again. I mean, it's it's another one of those like really simple systems. On your turn, you're going to take a, a taxi card and add it to your chain of them. But you can only ever add it to the left or the right of them. You can't ever change it mm -hmm. in the middle. But you're trying to get them in a row where they follow a pattern. And if you can continue doing that, there's a little bit of like multiple turn press your luck because that's a bad thing if that happens mm -hmm. where you can't add it on. But you're trying to get in the best in the best opportunity because you're trying to get different lengths of trains. You're trying to add your cities to multi or your uh, post offices to multiple cities. The um, whoever gets out most of theirs wins more than likely. It's based on points and stuff. There's some area control a little bit. There's all sorts of different regions around Germany that you can use, like six different types or colors or regions, whatever they are. Um, Turning Taxis is awesome. I like it a lot. It, there's a reason it won the Spiel des Jahres, um, and, and yet it's another train game that I can go to that feels... It's not really a train game, but there's yeah, wagons, yeah, right? But it's yeah. kind of a train game because you're building that pattern. And I love that same aspect. Like, take it a ride, you're trying to collect sets of colors. This, you're trying to get paths and if you get it correctly it's awesome if you so if you like stuff like 10 days in the usa and want a little more substance uh, yeah. this is a great version of that i like being able to get that whole path and space it out and go okay well if this goes here and this is here well then i could probably uh, mm, but do i want to wait to see if something good comes up because i see you're gonna sell i see you're gonna do this mm, yeah you know, it's there's a lot of things going for it yeah and then on top of that you have the four little experts from and that you, they provide you an extra ability. Yep. Whether you can draw an extra card, or play an extra card, or refresh the row, hoping for your best. And you can play that during your turn. I like that mechanism a lot. And I think it's a really fun game. So, Turning Taxis is my number 38. Alright, so I looked it up. Uh, Turning Taxis went from 99 on my last list. It dropped to 145. And I think it's just from lack of play. Yeah, honestly, I think so too. This is one of your more favorite... Oh, uh, the spiel, spiel winners, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Maybe like quite a few. But, but honestly... This I, is one that I think surprised you a lot. I remember originally, statistic-wise, I said 44 new games made it to the list, which means yes. there was a lot of tumbling and a lot of games falling out of the list. Yeah. For this to only fall from 99 to 145 is not that bad. Yeah. Although, the expansion had one of the silliest inserts I've ever seen. Do you remember that one? <laughs> yeah. There was a single board. It was like a full-size game box. And it was, uh, well, half thickness, but same full size. Had a board, so that needed the size of the box. But then you take off the board, and there's a single well for half-size cards in the middle of the <laughs> insert. That's that's it. It yeah. was just a tiny pack of cards. It was so ridiculous. And that was a really expensive expansion, too. Yeah. They were super out of print. Yeah. Anyway, turning taxis, number 38. I love it. Ready to go to 37? Number 37. All right. I am not prepared yet for number 37, but I'll be jumping into it. My number 37 is a game that I know you really like on top of it. This jumped from my number 80, and I think it was because I showed it to you not too uh, not too long ago. And it is an oldie but a goodie, and when I showed it to you, you are like, man, okay, I see what it's all about. And now you are super intrigued by every game that this designer has come up with. Sid Saxon? Yes. Buried Treasure? Nope. This is his trading game. Oh, Bizarre. Bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre. It's so cool. It Okay, if you like uh, Century Spice Road and like that comboing yeah. idea, being able to convert one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing, this is like that idea because you have five different colors of tokens. You're trading some tokens in for others. They have multiple different uh, trading cards that you could do. So, like, you might be able to do an action to trade one red to, like, two greens and a yellow. And then another one, you might be able to trade two yellows for two blues. And then another one, you might be able to trade two blues for a green. And you're trying to convert these. It's not a deck builder because you just have the tokens. Yeah. But you're trying to convert these to get the best combinations to fulfill orders. All of the orders have and you want to five be as gems. Efficient as possible. Yes, because it rewards you, and this is the only game I've ever seen it do this. And I, I'm sure there's something out there, but I have not. Out of all my thousands of games I played, I've not seen something that does this yet. And this was made back in the '60s. <laughs> yeah. What you do is that depending on the tokens you trade in, because like let's say I have a card in front of in front of everybody that has two whites, two blues, and a yellow. Okay. okay. If I trade in those tokens to buy the card, the number of tokens that I have after remaining determine how many points I am I have. And the fewer that is, the more points it's going to be worth. Yep. So, for example, I, if I have zero tokens, I might get eight points for this card because it has a star on it. But if I have one token, it's five. If I have two tokens, it's only, it's only two points. Mm-hmm. And then, like... And then from that point on, it's like, it, then it's only worth like one point. So if you get super good at finding a way to manipulate these tokens. And I got really lucky that one. <laughs> yeah, you got really, really lucky. If you manipulate these so well, you will get the most points from it. Mm-hmm. It's well, really cool. A bit part of that, too, um, when we played it, is that you were helping me. You're like, okay, I'm going to take this because it's going to give me good points. And the next one comes up. I'm like, cool. And then yeah. I'm out, so I get eight points for that. You suck. <laughs> yeah, and it works that way every time, uh, too. Yeah. I, I'm shocked where it was on my list. I think uh-huh. it's just because it got to the point where I wasn't paying attention too too closely. Like yeah. It had like sure. different games up. And it might be not what I was used to cover-wise. Right. 
But I, I honestly was telling you the other day, it, it was at 300 on my list. Yes. I honestly think if I redid this and paid closer attention to like mm-hmm. the middle of the road stuff, mm-hmm. it would be higher. It'd probably be my highest at sex in game. That's how much I really, really yeah. enjoyed it. It's between this, this and Can't really Stop. Fun. They were really close. Yeah, Can't Stop is also really good. I mean, th- this is one of those things that now we are at the point where you almost have played enough games where we could do a top eight debate for it. And I will push <laughs> yeah. you to that point. I have enough games that between all of the ones I own of, that he's designed, I can get us past that top eight. Well, I know for sure Acquired, Buried Treasure. Acquired, Buried Treasure, Can't Stop, stop. Sleuth, yep. um, Bazaar. Bazaar, yeah. And there's more. Um, but I think those are the main uh, ones. And yeah, then those he, are the main we ones. Get like, uh, no, he, he did the key. Focus is another Focus is another one, yeah. Yeah. You I haven't played, played that one, one no. Yeah. Yeah, Focus is cool. There's another Spiel the Jar winner, actually. It was nice. Focus. Yeah. So anyway, I digress. Uh, Bizarre, I love that game. And it, there's a reason it jumped up on my list, because I just our one play of it just reminded me how much I liked it. All right. So moving into my number 37, I'm just mm-hmm. checking something real quick. Yes, this is my highest dexterity game. It, it's actually tumbled a little bit. Uh, it went from 18 to number 37, and it's just because I haven't played it all that much. It's um, uh, I have great fond memories of playing this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even have a uh, not a real copy of it because a friend went out of his way and made me one. Oh yes, uh, I know what this is. Yeah, it's and I, I gave you a little hint when I said it. Tumbling dice. Tumbling dice. Uh, and it took, like I said, it took a bit of a tumble. <laughs> Uh, and you get mad at me for these puns. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I was just giving you Hand hits. me that lightsaber. <laughs> I was giving you hits. But yeah, no, this is a great dexterity game. In fact, like I said, it's my favorite one. And in fact, I think it's the only one on my list. Um, but it's it's real simple. You're just uh, rolling a set of dice down a tray or board. Mm-hmm. Um, they have little pegs. Depending on what the pip number is, you multiply it depending on the level you hit, you have. Uh, you could either help your opponents or hurt your opponents because if you knock their dice, sometimes you can flip it to a better pip side for them mm-hmm. or a worse pip side, or just knock it off completely because once everybody takes their turns, when you score up, yes, and then you keep going over a set number of rounds. I believe it's four rounds. Whoever has the most points like win uh, that game. I really enjoy this game. It's just mm-hmm. so much fun. And you can have as many players as you want. We've played a giant version of it at yes. a convention. Whereas, like, uh, like drywall. Insulation foam. Yeah, insulation foam. Inflatable dice. So we're yeah, we going to throw, like, chunky. 10 feet down the, down the way. Just but we were just having a blast playing it. It's just, it's so fun. I like uh, how it was inflatable dice and they had to put a little colored tape this way. I'm yellow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm blue and stuff like yep. that. Uh, but it, it was phenomenal. I really do still thoroughly enjoy this game it's still in my top 100 it's t- only dropped 19 spots so it's oh. not it's that significant it went from 18 to 37 yep. so it it's just a phenomenal game i really really do enjoy it a lot um if you could if you ever go to a convention and they have tumbling dice out there try it out it's yes. really fun um, really easy to learn super yeah. fun Chuck if, you, dice. if you can get a copy of it uh, it's not super cheap because it's really good wooded uh pieces and right. the dice uh, in all honesty you can get use the dice that they come in there and they just go get yourself like a tinsy or something like that this way you can just have more dice for to yeah. have big because this is a great party game as mm-hmm. well for um i played it w- with like groups of 12 yeah so it's it's so much fun awesome good pick number 36 
I'll be starting us off. Okay. My number 36 is an oldie but a goodie. It, it climbed up 50 spots. It was 86 last time I ranked it. And I think at that time I was like, okay, well, you know, it's not that good of a game. Maybe I need to rank it lower to justify it, you know. And then this time I was like, no, it's just fun. Who cares how good it is? Yeah. And it's a classic dice game. Uh, I say classic loosely. as you know, about oh. 10 years old. Honestly, that's what I was saying about Ready, Set, Bet. It's not yeah. John DeClaire's best game, but no. it's just fun. No, and this is a tasty minstrel game, and it is by no means their best game, but it's really fun, and it's it's a press-your-luck dice game. Oh, is this the, the dungeon one where it comes like... Dungeon that? Roll, yeah. yes. Dungeon Roll. It comes in a little treasure chest. Yeah. You have treasure tokens inside of it, yeah, experience points. Yeah, it's just fun. Yeah. At the beginning of each round, you roll all of your party dice, and then every time you go a stage further, it adds one more monster die to the to the group. Mm-hmm. So the first level, you're only going to roll one. Um, the second level, you roll two, then three, then four, and you keep going until you, you decide roll, to or you can't. You roll three dragons? If you roll three dragons, you need multiple monster uh, dice mm-hmm. or mon- uh, hero dice in order to defeat it. Yeah. You have different types of heroes, some that have a specialty, like, mm-hmm. for example, the mage can beat all of the slimes, because it matches the same color. Warriors and goblins. There's a lot of those same things where, like, this thing, like, the thief could take as many treasure tokens, but before you take treasure or potions, you have to first get rid of the monsters. And so there's a lot of this give and take of choosing, like, what you want to do, when you want to do it, mm-hmm. and there's multiple times where you'll have, like, a treasure in front of you, and you're like... It could be worth a point, but I didn't want this die for the next round, just in case yeah. a dragon's rolled, you know? Yeah. And you have some of those pretty legitimate choices. Then on top of it, you have a character card, and there's so many different unique character cards that all have super abilities that are throughout it. And then once you hit five experience points, boop, they flip over, and then now they have leveled up, and they have a better ability. And so there's a lot of cool options. A lot of fun replayability. I don't know what's going to happen to it now that the company's pretty much done. And uh, yeah, I hope know. somewhere picks it up. Like yeah. I hope they make like a really, really cool version of it. But I'm never going to get rid of my copy. That's Honestly, I don't even need them to make a really, really cool version of it. Just give me something in the treasure chest. Because it's just... You just put it away. You can pull it out when you need to play it. Yeah. I, I do really, really enjoy that game. It's just been a while since I played it. It's a long time. You almost yeah. forgot about it, huh? Yeah, I couldn't remember the name of it, but I haven't played it since, like, 2015. Has me talking about it reinvigorated your idea? I want to play it again, but I'm not going to go out and look for it Maybe I'll do that on the next game day. Yeah, if I find it, yeah, I'll play it. Cool, awesome. Dungeon Roll. All right, moving on to my number 36. Uh, I'm going to count this as a crossover. I just don't know if you've said it already or if it's coming up on your list. I'm not too sure. But you have already mentioned it when you were mentioning your previous... uh, game. Oh, um, Century. Yep. Me specifically, I said the Golem Edition. Same game as uh, Century Spice Road. It's such a smart design. And in fact, this went up from 42 to 36, and I know why. Um, I've just recently played it quite a bit. It's a nice game to show to new people. Mm-hmm. Um, that as, Recently, that's what I ended up doing. I showed it to someone who's not really into gaming. I'm like, this is just so much simple because you play a card, you do what the card says, or you pick them all up. Yep. <laughs> and it's really that simple. You're just trying to get 
all these stuff to pay for a golem. You pay for your golem. The first person to get, like, what, three or four, something like that, of the golems or whatever it is in Spice Roads, um, wins. Uh, yeah. Or it cat, triggers it. Cat, no, um, what's that term? Uh, Caravan. Caravan. I knew it had a co- <laughs> I knew Van was in it. Yeah, so it Cavernous. is... It was such... It's such a good game. It's real simple. Um, it's easy to teach. You can combine it with all the other Century Roads. But, like, you and me kept going back and forth. It's like, we don't know which one we like the most. Mm-hmm. And then I just... I played this one recently. I played the other two not too recently, but recently enough where I was like, no, this is just... It's so simple to play. Yes. It's just boom, 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 done. It's all Quick good. turns. It's phenomenally designed. It's probably one of the best designed games you can own. For as simple as it is. Yep. Um, and the components are good. The it, art's good. Yeah. Especially uh, in the Spice Road version. Uh, the Spice Road version, I do have a problem. The cubes. Mm-hmm. They are hard to see, and you're all about trading cubes up and stuff yep. like that. Uh, I, I still haven't played all three together. I haven't even played two together. Because yeah. I just go back as like, oh, I haven't played this in a while. Let me play this one. Oh, yeah, that's what this is. Oh, let me go play this one. Yeah. Maybe I'll combine them, and I still have it. It's just no. they're uh, they're really good by themselves. But like I said, I I really do like the. Uh, I think it's a new world for Century, and this one it's uh, Endless World yeah. uh, for the Golem editions. I just I go back to, and I love worker places, but I just keep going back to the simplistic: play a card, gather your resources, spend your resources, pick up your cards. Yep. That kind of thing. I, I just love that game. Once you got your combo going, it just works so well. Yep. And I also like the fact that when you're trying to buy new cards, it has that um, like small world field where like if you really, really want a card, you have to pay your gems. Um, best bet, you want to pay like your yellow gems, but sometimes you do want to entice someone to go for that other card with a better gem because you really need that card that's over there because it'll work perfect with your engine. So I really, really do enjoy this game. Very cool. All right. On to the next. Number 35. Uh, my number 35 is new to the list, and I blame you. Yay! Blame me all you want. So, I don't regret my decisions at all. How dare uh, you? There you go. This is a historical list right here for a couple stuff. Wait, uh, a historical? Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. What do you mean by historical? Like, this is a historical theme? Maybe. When would I ever show you a historical game? You did, and you love the mess out of this game. Uh, this is one of... Is it one that I own? Yes, it is. I own a historic... Oh, is it a Feld? Nope. <laughs> That's the only one I know. I'm going to say the name, and you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. It's ready. Trekking Through History. Okay. Wow, you, you kicked the camera. <laughs> Apparently. Trekking through history. Yeah, okay, this counts as historical. Yeah. Yeah, technically. Uh, in fact, you can learn about okay. certain things in the back of the cards. Yep. Uh, I love, love this game. I, I, It's so simple. It's like you're gonna, you're just pulling a card mm-hmm. from the timeline. You can spend a gem to quit uh, forcing yourself from going too, too far. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, it just is so well. It gets you learning, but this one, it is it's so it's so good. Great comment. And to the point where you're just looking at your car and you look at the back like, oh, that's kind of cool. Because it's like yeah. saying, hey, you went and took a bath in the, the great baths of whatever. Uh, you you uh, try to save books in the great fire of the Alexandria Library right. and stuff like that. I love everything about this game. One, I'm, I'm a big history buff. I love historical stuff. Yeah. Um, there's other stuff that um, really intrigues me about this game because of what it does mechanistic-wise. Mm -hmm. the, the ratchet is what a lot of people call it, where you can go so far ahead, but then you have to wait on your turn if other people are yes. uh, so far behind you. But sometimes it's a good idea because this is a, I have like a BCE card. Mm, there's all like 1400 ADs out there, so maybe I want to jump like five uh -huh. points ahead to see if you guys could shuffle up a BCE for me. When you take that card, you get the resources from it at the bottom of the card, but not only from the bottom of the card, from the locations that it's at. Mm -hmm. It just it does really, really well. Once everybody hits 12 o'clock, then we reset everything and go to arrow two. And what's nice about that is that if you hit it at the right time, you get some extra victory points, and everything just starts comboing. You're yes. trying to decide how long you're going to make this run. If not, then should I close this out and start a new run for right. I can start making points? Because every card that you get into that deck becomes more points for you in a run. So And they compound. So it's like one, two cards, it's actually negative points for you. But once you hit like four cards, okay, you're getting four points. And then right. if you get 10 cards, you're getting 30 points. Right. And everything after that is just three extra points in that run. But it's just so, so good. I really do enjoy this one a lot. You know one thing I really like about this game? And I've already I've talked about this every time I we talk about this game. Is it seems almost like two different games that are combined together. Because mm -hmm. you have your itinerary and playing the cards in order. You can you really do have a chance of winning at excelling at either of those. But yeah. you want to be efficient in both. Mm -hmm. And it works so well. Um, I mean, the fact that you get to learn on top of it, and it's not forced upon you, yeah. but you're like, wait a minute, what is this? And then you just read it, like, oh, okay, that's cool. That well, gives a player, that gives players agency of something to do. Mm -hmm. If they, if they take a wild turn, they jump way far ahead, like you did a couple times. Yeah. You know, that, yes, there's downtime for you, but you could actually, like, read these cards, and be like, this is interesting. And the art and the components and everything about it is, is fantastic. really, really good. In fact, this is my favorite of the trekking anything. If uh, this is honestly the only one that I know of from this year that should be nominated for the Spiel. I agree. It, it if this be. was in German, I think this would it be a contender. Yeah, it's really, really. And I good. think it would win it too. I really I, do. I think it might. It just depends on what else gets nominated because the way the Spiel's been lately. That this is up there with Cascadia, right? It's yeah. elegant. It's, it's, it's a very elegant. well designed game, yeah. and it's your fault. Yes, <laughs> send your hate mail me. Yeah, no, I love this game. Number thirty five. Number thirty five. Yeah. All right, my number thirty five is a game that um, you know, talking about elegant and simple mechanisms. I like this one a lot. This was my number fifty eight on my previous list. It jumped up a number of spots, and that is because the, every time I play it, I love how simple the mechanism is. Is and I love the nuances of this game that I've talked about before, where what you're doing is you are taking an action by sliding a piece and taking either a certain number of fruit tokens ah. or or fulfilling contracts or using those to to get different benefits and and fulfill like boat orders and when mm -hmm. you send the boats out they clear up more room on your space allowing you to build up 
and do further actions and engine build without actual engine building. I love it. And sometimes you could buy other action tiles you could put on your board. But again, they have to contend with all the other space. And you have this cool little slidey puzzle. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And Corrupt Senate called it Juicy Fruits. So, so, so good. Well, this is our ninth crossover. This was my number 89. That's right. Juicy Fruits. <laughs> great components. Pretty decent art. Wonderful mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And plays efficiently and elegant. <laughs> it, it's hard for me to get up when we get this high on our list. Mm-hmm. If it's not elegant, and if it's not just an absolute brilliant design, there's a hard time it's going to get up here. Now, there are some that are, you know, nostalgic for me, like Dungeon Roll. I wouldn't call that elegant by any sense. But Juicy Fruits and Bazaar definitely are. Oh, yeah. So, Juicy Fruits, that's my number 35. Wow, that's a really good game. In fact, it was in my top 100. And it, I find it funny is that... When we did our original top 100, we had only played this maybe a month before we started doing the rankings, uh -huh. and we haven't really played it much since, mm -hmm. but it's still in our top 100. Yes. It squeaked yeah. in that one play for both of us, and it's still in our top 100. That was one of those games where you're like, I now, and now you're probably going to go buy it eventually. I have it. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's down at the bottom. You can't see it because of the other stuff. Oh, yeah, there. I see it. I see it. Just the corner of it. We've played like eight times. Yeah, we really do enjoy it. And it, it so good. What's funny, it took us longer to read the rules and actually play the you game. You played eight times? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it took us longer to figure out how to play the game than it does to play, play the, the game. game. It's it's so smart. I like it a lot. That that put Capstone on the map for me instantly. Yeah. I was like, wow, okay, I'm yeah, interested. It was, it was really good. I don't totally like the art that much. That's my only drawback to the game. Yeah, the I, it's, art it's is okay. fine. It's the, the, the components really yeah. takes it through the roof. Yeah. Games I can play with my 10-year-old daughter that are good instant hits with us. Yes. Yes. And not only just that, you can have fun playing with kids playing this game, and you can lose and also still have fun. That is true. And the art does seem like a bad phone game. <laughs> yes, it really does. All right. Number, uh, number 34. 34. All right. I'll start off this one. This was my number 87. Another timer. <laughs> Up on my list. I'm starting to realize that a lot of these are old favorites. Mm -hmm. This has been on my list for a long, long time. This I've had this game since probably about six or seven years ago. Okay. You know. And this is, I believe, my favorite in a series of games. And this is the only cooperative one in the list. This game now has... Or this series has about 12 games in its title. And this... This one of them is title. one of the few cooperative ones. I think it it's the only definitely only cooperative game. There's one that has a little cooperative ver version. Is it the only series? Nope. No, okay. It's not in the only series. Tiny Epic? Tiny Epic, yep. Okay, so... so which one is it? Which one is uh, it? Tiny Epic Quest. Defenders. Oh, Corrupt, Defe you're oh. on the ball today. Defenders, yeah. Yeah, Tiny I, Epic I keep, Defenders. I, this is the one, that's the one that I always forget about in Tiny Epic. Yes. <laughs> and there's something about it, like... It, this is what I think Scott Olms excels at. It's because it is one of those things where, yes, you have a number of actions on your turn. Yes, you have a bunch of cards flipping over that are bad things. All of these stuff are true. But the fact that is that your action cards, the player's action cards, and the bad cards are all shuffled into the same deck. And every, time, every round it gets through that deck, you add another bad card to it. And you have to deal with it even more. And that little bit of acceleration... And build up every single time as your actions get fewer and fewer in between mm -hmm. all of the bad ones. 
but the fact is that you know what's coming up. You're like, okay, well, I know my actions will probably come up pretty soon, but I know that we still have like three cards that are going to hit this desert. We need to make sure that that doesn't fall. I love that knowledge of slight variables adding in every round, but having that previous knowledge that you can build off of and keep defending from it. It's kind of like almost a co-op deck builder in a weird way. There is no deck building really, but it's kind of like that. It works so brilliantly. I like Tiny Epic Defenders. Probably my favorite in the series. I'm pretty sure that is my highest ranked. I, I do need to play it more. Um, Quest is still my favorite. Yeah. Mind you, I still haven't played Dungeons, and that's probably my jump high on my list. It might. Yeah, I know how much you like a dungeon crawl. I love a dungeon crawl. <coughs> uh, but I do really like Quest a lot. Defenders, again, is the one I keep forgetting, because yes. I've only played your copy, and that was years ago. Yeah. In fact... It didn't even make my list because I haven't ranked it or yeah. haven't put it in my, my statistics. You haven't played it since at least before you were tracking your yeah. games. Wow. So, so it's 2019. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fun <laughs> game I, from what I can remember of it. But uh, to me, the tiny epics are just hit or miss. Yep. I, I have I had really good times with some. I had meh with a few of them. And there's just ones I loathe entirely. Yeah. You know, it was funny. I was teaching games at, at the shop the other day, mm-hmm. and that just reminded me because I was talking with uh, one of the players, and he hadn't shown up for probably a couple of years. Like, I haven't seen him in a long time. I was like, dude, come on in. Come play games. He was like, yeah. all right. And he sat down with this friend of his, and they played Millie Fiori, and they fell in love with it. Who has it? Of course. And then, But then I looked over, and he's on his phone, and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe he's talking so I look over, and I'm like, wait, I know that green color scheme. I was like, that's BG stats, isn't it? Like, yeah, I'm like, that's right. <laughs> Give him a high five. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That one is really good. In fact, it made it into my top 100. I think it was like 45. After one play, play. and he doesn't even own it. And I don't even care much for a lot of Kinesia games. No. Well, that's because you hadn't played enough of the good ones yet. Well, yeah, it was 45. Yeah, I think, you, uh, I think you're starting to to like be like, okay, I'm starting to understand Kinesia. In yeah. style. They're so different, but yeah. he does Well, certain style. ones. I, they're, they're the ones I have played, I uh, haven't liked any of them, really, other than one. Yeah. Uh, until Milifiori and Ruja Sindar, which is like two of his newest ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, those two new ones. But I mean, like, yeah, I get like... Like, know, Lost Cities, I can't stand. Lost Cities, I understand that, and Raw, you know, I understand... Uh, Raw was fine. I, I want to play that with more people. With, I don't way more it, players. I don't think it works too well with no, two players. It it doesn't. It doesn't. And that was a hard... But, I mean, some of his other ones, like, My City is decent, you know, it's not mm-hmm. bad. Um, but, like, I mean, Ingenious is awesome. And I don't think I've shown you that one yet. No. So, no. 34, right? 34. All right, so this game, I adore. I like this game a lot. You're a big fan of this game, even though you don't like the theme that's on it. Uh, this actually fell out of my Is top Is it a cat ten. game? No, it fell out of my top ten. It was number eight originally. And I think it's because um, we finally finished it. It's kind of campaign style. I'll give you a hint. And you'll, it'll hit you right away. Deck Builder. A Deck Builder? Clank? Legacy? No. No. Deck Builder campaign? Mm-hmm. Legendary? No. Not that legendary is not a campaign. A deck builder campaign. Mm-hmm. You're gonna shoot yourself in the foot again. Again. All right. Here's my other <laughs> no, foot. No, don't do it. Here's my other foot. I need to shoot. All right. It's tell me one. Harry Potter Hogwarts battle. I actually really like this game. 
No, that's what I say. You like this game, you don't like the theme. I don't like the theme at all. (laughs) Yeah. Harry Potter, yeah. No, it doesn't need to be Harry Potter. That's why Toy Story Obstacles and Adventures is essentially the same game, but slightly cleaner and way better because it's Toy Story. I don't know. I really love the expansions that they came out with for Hogwarts Battle. So, like, if they move those into Toy Stories, they'd be great. Yes. But uh, the the two expansions really made it better. Mm -hmm. Now, it's still... Ridiculously tough, especially the um, the monsters. Uh, it's, like, it's like charms and potions and the Monster Book of Monsters expansion. The because a lot of the stuff they took from the base game, they made it much more difficult in that one because like you have to meet these certain requirements before you can fight all these guys, or you can fight all these guys and then have to meet these certain requirements before yeah. you fight the big baddie, which is mostly Voldemort the whole time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, we had a blast. Um, me and our, our, our friends that I go hang out with, this is one of the campaign games that we just played together. We went yeah. through the entire uh, first thing. When they announced this, the first expansion, I bought it. I picked up the second expansion. We just played through the mess of it. I do like it. There's campaign games that are better. There's uh, deck builders that are better. I don't know if I have one. I do have one higher just on this list, too. A deck builder campaign? Not a campaign, but I'm saying, like, it does well what it does, yeah. but there's campaigns that are better than this. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's deck builders that are better than this. That's why it took a bit of a tumbler, even though I right. played the mess out of it. Like I said, it fell out of the top ten. It's a very specific amount of time that you want to play it. Yeah, exactly. Or a very specific time. Uh, a big a thing about it, too, is I'm not a fan of screen caps, and this is what all this mm. game is. It's screen yep. caps from the movies rather than you know their own art. But it's still really fun. I had a good time playing it with our friends, and my wife really enjoyed it. She's a huge Harry Potter nut. I, I mean, I, I thought I liked Harry Potter. No, she's a bigger nut towards it. So yeah, I thought you liked it too. Yeah, no, I, I do enjoy it, but not the way my wife does. So, and, and our friends are really big fans of it too. Their kids are really into it. So, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. All right, very cool. This is our number thirty-three. Our number thirty-threes. All right, to me. My number 33, you're going to be really happy about this one. Uh, it I already ju- am. It, it jumped up 57. Ooh. And, and now it's at 33. It is a small little card game. Okay. About card shedding slash deck building. Is, is this <coughs> a game right game? Yes, it is. Is this a female designer? Yes, it is. Ooh. <laughs> I do like this one a lot. Uh, this is Abandon All Artichokes. That's right. uh, this moved up, and a big part of it, too, is um, the same friends I was talking about with Hogwarts Battles. Mm-hmm. She really enjoys, uh, the wife of that group it really enjoys this game. Mm-hmm. So every chance we get, we'll bust it out every now and then. I, I am, in fact, planning to take it with us when we go into the Cali trip. This way we can play that as a group as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so it's just because it's, it's such a small game. It doesn't take a big footprint, and it's good you have basically a handful of artichokes 10 cards of artichokes your whole goal is to shed enough of these artichokes that when you draw up and only have a hand of other vegetables Mm -hmm. you win the game and the way you do that is um you have to refresh the the garden roll right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you refresh the garden roll you pick one of those you use its power harvest it harvest it you use its power, and if you have other cards in your hand, you can play those as well. Because uh, with this one in the deck building, they go into your hand rather than into the discard pile. Right. Then you play all the cards in your hand, 
do their special powers, which would, should allow you to get artichokes, or you pick another player, and both of those are artichokes, you compost. So, yeah, sometimes you're helping another player, but you kind of yeah. play around. Or there's others that allow you to get rid of artichokes, and then you can, but then you have to go put it in your uh, opponent's discard pile. What was this one? It is such a good game. I really, really do enjoy this one a lot. So, abandon all artichokes. This is my 144. 144. Nice. This was, yeah. this was up there. That's legitimately good, especially since you had rank 800 yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah, It's it was almost, just barely did. Mm-hmm. All right, my number 33 was my number 38 last time. So that's climbed a little. Yep, climbed a little bit. And I remember I went to the Gamma trade show a number of years ago. This was, I think, my first year. And I remember I watched this uh, a presentation for this game. And I was very excited because this designer created one of my favorite cooperative games of all time. And now he was making a new cooperative game. Completely different things, different de- mechanisms. Designer is Matt Leacock? Nope. Oh, okay. Um, he's a good friend of ours, friend of the podcast. He's been on our show before. And, um, yeah, just think about it. And he created this um, brand new theme game, different mechanisms. It's a press your luck dice game, cooperative. Is it John DeClaire? No. Yeah. He's one of the most energetic, oh. fun people to talk to, and his wife is amazing. Oh well. yeah, no, no. I was gonna say it's. Uh, yeah. This is uh, Hot Shots. Hot Shots. Yeah. So Justin Dewitt, he's our designer. <laughs> um, he, cool guy, uh, friend of the podcast. If you haven't seen that episode, watch like, it. What you said. Uh, Cool, yeah. energetic. I'm like, oh, I know who yeah, this is. Yeah. Now I have to run through the list of games. Yeah, <laughs> like, what, yeah. Where is the he, co-op? He originally here? made Castle Panic. Panic yeah. Hot Shots is is uh, it's not a sequel in any sense, but it is a cooperative game that he also designed, where you are working together to try and put out a forest fire before too much damage has mm-hmm. wreaked havoc around there. There's so much to consider, and imagine his energy. It was magic watching him <laughs> present. He was like. It was like he was standing in front of a whole crowd of people. Was like, and if that wasn't good enough, like then you have to press your luck, hoping to roll the combinations. If you roll enough of them on here, then you get to put out some of the fire. But you'll notice that there is a fire number on the top of each tile. Those, when that gets that, it completely burns. You can take a guess what those red arrows mean. And look at that. That's a propane tank. And there's red arrows on every side. <laughs> Thank you for guessing what that is. <laughs> like If you think you know what it is, you're probably right. <laughs> And when that happened, everyone was just like, like bawling, laughing. Like he has such a great oh, he's presence such a in front great, of it. Yeah. He's so fun. Um, his wife is so such a yeah. Anne Marie is like one of the nicest people. Like mm-hmm. not even in the board game industry, just, just in, in general. general. <laughs> she's awesome. And so we need to get her on one of these days. Like, yeah, she's so get her sure. input from like yeah. you know the actual uh, board game like uh, board of directors. Yeah. Like, perspective. But anyway, um, I digress. I, I love this company, Fireside Games. I like almost every single game that they've produced. And then on top of it, he comes out with already a fun theme with mm. firefighting. Yeah. Already uh, a solid mechanism. Push your luck. Which, I mean, I never thought push your cooperative, luck cooperative push your luck is so intense. Yeah, I, and it works so well because you're like, like you roll the dice and you're like, oh no, if I roll one more and I can't do this, yeah, and everyone's like, 
it's your role, man. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, uh, my my only thing it's is, so cool. I really, really enjoyed this game, but my wife wasn't a fan. My wife doesn't like a lot of luck games in general, like dice rolling sure. co-op stuff. I get that. Uh, she's fine with push your luck in a, in ex, to an extent, but yes. this one just she wasn't enamored with it. And I'm like, there's no point in me keeping it because I could just play your copy. Right. Well, this I equate to like Elder Sign, right? Yeah. If you liked Elder Sign, there's a chance you might like this. But honestly, I feel there is significantly more tension in in this one than there is in Elder Sign. Yeah, I like Elder Sign a lot too. So do but I. This is just to the point. This is like Elder Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, both of ours. Yep, Hot Shots. That's my number thirty-four or thirty-three. Sorry. Nice. Moving to our number thirty-twos. Thirty-two. This is another top ten fall. Oh no. And I know why. I, I still adore this game, but there's just a lot of other games that I want to play more than this one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still from my favorite, one of my favorite designers. It just, it fell. And yeah, this is his highest game on my list. And it's a part of it. It's just because I haven't played it in such a long time. I played its pseudo sequel uh, more recently, and I like what that one does. Um, in fact, we just got, or I just got, well, you got him too, his newest stuff that finally, finally starting to get to us. Mm-hmm. This is Stefan Feld. Yep. You probably know what this game is. Describe it again. I'm sorry. You said this is one of his, your favorite of his? Yep. In fact, it was my number 10 last year, or last time we did this. Castles of Burgundy? Yep. Wow, you hate this game now. <laughs> Fell. I do like it. Again, it's just uh, lack of play. Honestly, yeah, you haven't played it in so long. I haven't played it in a while. And then I just recently played Castles of Tuscany, so that kind of hurt it a little, too. It's so elegant. <laughs> yeah, it just, when you're playing the those little chits, and then like, oh, this goes up there, and now that's something for you to pull. Yep. And so I, I love what Castles of Tuscany does, but I still really adore Castles of Burgundy. My only thing is, I think it's going to keep tumbling if uh, one of those games that we just got, I like it from everything... That I've seen of, because mm-hmm. I've been hunting that game for a while. Everything right. I've seen of what that game does, I'll probably will jump it to my favorite game because it's it's card powers, uh, just simple card play and stuff like that. And this yeah. uh, that one I'm talking about is Bruges, which is now I think Hamburg. Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, I know but, Hamburg is one of them. I don't know if that was Bruges. Uh, yeah, I think Hamburg is the Bruges because Amsterdam yeah. is um, the other one, and New York City is the other. other Rialto. One. Okay. The, yeah, it's uh, I can't remember what Macau I think. Yeah, something, something like that. that. Yeah, but anyways, Castles of Burgundy. It's still really well designed. It's still my favorite right now. In fact, I don't even think Trajan made it in my top one hundred, and that used to be my favorite go to game. But it's also it's just so heavy. There's so much going on in Trajan. I have to look through my list, but because it's been a few weeks no. <laughs> since we did the other ones, but. Sure. Um, from if it did because it'd probably be at the back end of it but yeah no castles of burgundy if you haven't tried it at least try it once because it's really really good i like the the choosing of the dice whoever's leading uh gets that extra die in a sense and or i forget what the white guy does but they have to roll it Mm -hmm. uh but again that's 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 a good tile yeah good tile that's what it is um but they also get to take the first choice, and it's like, don't you go there? You, we, you, both of us rode fours. Don't you, don't you go to that spot? Use don't your you four. Don't my warn minor secret dice. Don't just keep. It. 
<laughs> Use that four for something on your board. Don't go to go over there yeah. to the, the depot. Yeah, yeah no. Why, I, why don't you trade it in for some uh, some workers or something? Yeah, yeah. there you that's go. Just, that's good. Yeah, so I, I, I see I, you have a four goods tile over there. You should sell it. <laughs> Yeah, the exactly. silverling that you've been looking for. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I really do enjoy Castles of Burgundy. All right. And that would be it for me. So my number 32. All right. It is another one that has climbed up on my list. My number 32 was number 50 last time I ranked it. So this, this list, I know I said a lot of them were new, but they're just jumping up, jumping up, jumping up, jumping up. A lot of these are climbing up from previous spots. This one is one of the funnest party games that allows bluffing, but you can still win without having to bluff. Yeah, Sheriff of Nottingham. Sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, it's it's so simple how it works. You just have a bag. One player is the sheriff each round. You're just trying to bring in some goods, like some apples or some chickens or some cheese or bread or whatever, right? But sometimes some dishonest people, not myself, of course not, mm-hmm. probably somebody else will might bring in some contraband. Now, here's the thing. At... Once everyone has loaded up their cards into the bag and passed it to the sheriff, they simply go, okay, I have four cheese. And they declare how many cards they have in there and what type of good they are. Then at that point, the sheriff gets to decide if they're going to inspect it or not. And that people can say how whatever they want to try and convince other people. That table talk is so important in this game, and it mm-hmm. works so well. And every time I teach this to new people... I love throwing in the, all right, well, I'll go ahead and pass you this. Um, but you know what? You've been such a great sheriff. I want you to know that. Here's, here's five points. You know, you've been great. This like, is don't, worry about it. don't worry about it. Like, I, it, I'm, not, I'm not bribing. The, and they'll say, it's like, sir, is this a bribe? No. I just, it's a tip. It's a $2 tip for you. A $2 tip. Yeah. You know, there's, it's so good. It's so silly. It's like, and then another player is like, you know what? I don't trust him. Like, here's three coins for you to inspect his bag. <laughs> and that's so good because you can throw people off of yourself as well. It's like, no, he's suspicious. Look at this guy while I'm bringing in seven contraband or yeah. something. You know, it's shenanigans. You can win being honest because the the penalty being is that if, some, if the sheriff opens a bag and you were being honest and it is legal goods, then they owe you a fine mm-hmm. for wasting your time. So that's the that's the balance. So there's not always an incentive for them to do it, but they might be able to catch some good stuff on it. Yeah, I love it. It's I think fine. it's such a fun game. Uh, it's not my favorite game. Um, no, it has to be even, number one. Uh, no, I, I, it's not even on my list, mind you. I haven't played it since I started statistics. So mm-hmm. and it's just because I'm not a huge fan of bluffing games, and I played right. the mess out of this when it got reprinted. That's what's so good. Because uh, it, to... it always played in the shop uh, when we got, like, groups, yep. uh, when I started hanging out with my my peeps, um, that we played this one a lot in bigger groups, because it can hold up to quite a few players. Yes, it can. Yep. Uh, but it's it's fine. It, uh, it wouldn't make my top 100, <laughs> but I, I understand and I respect what it does. Cool. All right, moving into our number 31s. 31. Did we already do, you did your 32 already? Yeah, oh, Castles of Burgundy. Huh. All right. Uh, well, by the way, I have a, a theme for this one now. That's the fall of the top ten. Ooh, mine is the, the climb of the 80s, apparently. So this is a, there's going to be a third top ten fall in this uh, set. But moving into my number 31, this was a fall from the top 20. This was number 16 last time we did this one. Yeah. And again, it's just be- <clears throat> this is a lack of play. I adore this game. I still really, really enjoy this game. It also has one of the most useless components 
of all time. Ever know? Yes, it is. <laughs> wow, it's bad that I can guess it by useless components of all time. The tree, look, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. In fact, I know why it's there because it's the reason why I own the game because I saw this played at a convention and I was like, ooh, what's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you're pulling the tree. Uh, it's such a phenomenal game. I really do enjoy it. This is the old tree. This is the cardboard tree. I have the witch tree in the box. But the fact that it has a big box and you can't even keep the big tree up, it just, it's useless. Uh, in fact, if you're playing a four-player game, if someone's sitting behind that tree, they can't see the board. Um, and so, to the point, one of their expansions basically is the tree. There's a whole inlay that you put across it um, as the objectives and that you may never see those cards. I, I get that. Yeah, that that is a big an issue, especially since it's like this thick pile. But I really do. I have all the expansions. I want to play the expansions. I did enjoy the solo mode that I played on, on this one because uh, you're playing against the rats, uh, corrupted rats. It's got a really great solo mode. I do like playing this with a group. In fact, this is going to be one of the games I pick when I have um, another pick where it's not my shelf of shame stuff. And so I do thoroughly enjoy Everdell. I just want to play it again. Cool. All right, my number thirty-one is a game that is new to the list. And this is another one that helps cemented that Wolfgang Warsh is a fantastic designer. This is the spiritual successor to uh, Quacks of Quellenberg. This is the Taverns of Tiefenthal. Oh! That's right. Now, you weren't there when we played, I played it. it, yeah. You I played it, it. Yeah. yeah. Taverns of Tiefenthal. It's uh, engine building, dice drafting, worker placement, resource management kind of game. With deck building in it and some press your luck and there's a whole bunch of other cool stuff in it. It really is kind of like the kitchen sink board game. Um, like you have to play. There's so much stuff going on and I wouldn't play this with brand new gamers because there's just too much upkeep to really go with it. Yeah. But once you get the hang of it, if you're playing it with an experienced group, it flows really well. It's a smart game. Everything you do it has a lot of fun. Um, oh yeah. Uh, have yet to play it like the expert mode with the schnapps. I don't think I've played that, but I've only played ever the basic mode, and I've actually played it only once. Yeah, it was and my yet one, it's already this high. It was my one thirty-two. One thirty-two, yeah. So it was almost there, right yeah. on the edge. But yeah, Taverns of Teeth and Thaw. Uh, we're going super long on these descriptions, but I love the dice drafting. I like the mechanisms in it. I like the engine building. The only thing I don't like about it is how many little bits and bobs that you have to do to build the board. Yeah. That's kind of annoying, but other than that, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, no, it took us a little while to figure it out, and then once we started going, we really, really enjoyed this game yeah. a lot. Yeah, uh, the whole group was just enamored with it halfway through it. Our number 30, halfway through this list. Number 30. Here we go. Okay. My number 30 <laughs> is... We're, we're giggling. You might notice a cut in the video. Sorry. Yeah. But uh, my number 30 is an economic city building game where you are... You have a 4x4 four four grid. You have uh, arrow tokens. Number from 1 to 4. You are trying to draft tiles. And one thing I really like about this... This is Quadropolis, by the way. Uh, that mechanism is so cool because if you put down a number 3, you're going to... The direction that you're pointing, mm -hmm. the third tile is the one that you want to take. Yeah. And you only have a 1, a 2, and a 3, and a 4. And since this plays up to 4 players, every spot around the board will be filled. Which is pretty fun. And there might be a time where you're you're forced to try and take a tile that no longer exists in there. Because yeah. everybody else planned it pretty nicely or did some hate drafting for you. It, it's a cool mechanism. But then on top of that, the way the buildings score in different ways 
like you're getting a combination of people and you're getting energy from some of the tiles. Some of them need people and or energy to run and to score properly and just do a bunch of other really cool functions. There's a lot of neat things going on with it that generally I really like a lot of the things it's doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't tend to like Civ games or city building games all that much. Like I, I'm yeah. okay with them. Um, they're not my least favorite or my least favorite mechanism. But I like them just fine, uh -huh. and this one excels above the rest. So, my number 30, jumping up from number 28 from my last list, or jumping down from number 28 by two spots, that is Quadropolis. Alright, so my number 30, talk about a climb here, this was 107 last time I ranked it, uh -huh. and I said this was going to happen because of an expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the second of the three games we've talked about that is worker placement slash deck building. Yes. Uh, the third one didn't make my list. The first one we've already talked about. This one is Lost Ruins of Arnak. Good. Um, I really do enjoy this game a lot, uh, especially because of the leaders expansion, uh, where it gives you, you get your own character, you have a special power, you're doing special things. It's just really, really good. I uh, uh, better, better than Dune. Dune. Yes, I prefer Dune. Base I won't to speak base. for him, but yes, it is. Uh, uh, better than Dune. Spa uh, base to base, Dune is better. But because of what this expansion did, it just knocked it out of the park for me. Uh, just because I love the the variable player powers, and I know you started it with Dune, but it just it mm -hmm. seems so much uh, ele more elegant in this one because. Yes. Depending on who you're uh, at, they have like these really cool things. So there's one guy that always has one fear. He's working through his fear to get it through. You have like the the Baroness or whatever her, her thing is. So she has a card that you can actually get rid of out of your deck, mm -hmm. and it always comes back to you, yeah. um, no matter what. It could be yeah, because it, it, sometimes it tells you lose a card. Mm -hmm. Even if you lose it, it comes back to you. Uh, she's all about like uh, getting money and resources and stuff like that. It's it's just phenomenal. You played a character that had a falcon, yep, and your falcon, falcon yeah, can go wherever you want on certain things. So like when you're moving it around on your own personal board, I just think the expansion itself is what set it through the roof. I honestly don't care if they give me another expansion just because this one did what it needed to do. Yep. Um, I do give really... more content, did it well, give you a lot of variability, mm -hmm. a lot of playing fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if I play Dune, and I know it's going to be one of my picks this year to play it again because I want to play the expansions. I own both expansions, so I want to see expansion to expansion if Dune jumps back up or if Lost Ruins of Arnak, just based on that one expansion, jumped it for me. Makes sense. Cool. Moving to our number 29. Number 29. And I'll be starting this off. My number 29 climbed hugely from 29 last year. <laughs> um, it, no, it stayed exactly in the same place. And this is one of the few um, card games that has no theme on it. It is absolutely just using a deck of cards. But there is a board. There's a board, but you're using a deck of cards? Yep. Lost it's, Cities? Nope. It's a scoreboard. Oh, it's a uh, two-player only card game. Yeah, there, there's a three-player variant. It's not Pinocchio. What's Cribbage? Uh, Cribbage, Cribbage, Cribbage. It is the best two-player card game, hands down, and probably my favorite of all time card games. I there is something about it that it has a little bit of everything. If you like Gin Rummy, there is some set collections because you're trying to get pairs and all those stuff. If you like. Uh, 
poker, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, Texas or seven card draw in it. Because yeah. you decide what cards go in the cribbage. If you like stuff like blackjack or trick taking, then there's a little bit of going back and forth as you're playing the cards, trying to slowly climb up to the number 31, but then scoring points along the way. It's called pegging. The The scoreboard is synonymous with the game, and that's, that's because... Oh, but... Yeah. Right. We should censor that. In the, in the final videos. <laughs> it's called pegging! And then, um, no, it... The, the scoreboard is synonymous with the game because of the pegs that are in inside uh, the little drilled holes. You're moving them along as you're doing it. It's a really easy way to count since it's, each of the holes are in groups of five. Mm-hmm. You're like, all right, I scored 10 points, so I'm in the first position. I'll jump in the first position two spots ahead. Easy. And you're doing this leapfrog mechanism. I like it a lot. Um, the scoreboard, and you can find, like, deluxe ones. You can find cool ones. I, I saw a wood one, I think, over here. Yeah. And, and then just get yourself a really nice deck of cards. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. You have an amazing game. The three-player game, I've played it before, and it's decent, you know. The Do you, do you know how the three-player works? No. So I barely know how the two-player works. Well, so. The two-player, you each get six cards. You each pitch two, and you go with the four. Mm-hmm. And that creates another four-card hand for the player who dealt. In a three-player, everyone gets five cards instead. Mm-hmm. And then you pitch only one card to the crib. And then a fourth card gets added in to the, for the dealer. So... Becomes four four for everybody. Okay, so it works. Um, pegging still works, but it's in a circle versus on the three players versus back and forth. I like everything about this game. It has a little bit of everything. Good tension, good time frame, and a lot of strategy going into it. And just and one of my favorite things about it is that if you get a three of a kind, you don't just get a little bit more points. No, you score two points for every pair you have. Um, it it's hilarious because the the pair that you have, you score two points for each one. But if you have a three of a kind, that's three pairs, technically. A pair of two sixes, then another two sixes, then another two sixes, and a triangle. You actually have six points. So, it's pretty awesome. I like it a lot. Uh, but overall, cribbage, my number 29. Alright, my number 29 is our 10th crossover today. Uh, this Not on this list. You had it earlier on your list, but I do enjoy this game a lot to the point where I want to pick up a copy for myself. I really, really do. Sorry. Uh, I do really, really enjoy it. Just give me a sec here. We're just going to do a couple quick troubleshooting real quick. It's as if it wasn't strange enough. Just double checking that everything's working. I was just notified by one of our moderators that it's having trouble. Yeah, I don't know. It's not showing up on my end. Try refreshing your page. Just in case. Man, I'm really going to have to do some editing in this one. Yeah, it's playing. Yeah, it's playing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't know why. Uh, we were just told uh, there was some issues, so I'm going to restart this. Yep. My number 29 is a game that was already on your list. This is our 10th crossover today. Or not today, but in the entire top 100. So uh, from what I'm seeing here and what I know what's coming up in the other list, I'm out. <laughs> uh, but this one you've already talked about. I think it was in your 60 range. Uh, this is a nice little card game, really small. I do want to pick up a copy for myself. 
This one is the Bloody Inn. I really adored this game. Yeah. Um, it's been really, really good. To, uh, th- that one play that I had, I, I almost bought myself a copy not too long ago. I really do enjoy it. It's been really, really fun. Uh, it's really simple. You talked about it earlier. Um, the fact that you're just you're playing cards out. You're trying to get guests to either pay you money or you're, you're actually trying to you know you know put them in the ground and do different stuff. It's very morbid theme. Which I adore. I love yep. morbid themes. So this is our next crossover. And this right? is our next crossover. That's nice. why I said this is the tenth crossover here. This is the Bloody Inn. Very good. All right, our number twenty-eight. We are trudging along. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll be starting with off. me. This is another new one to the list. Uh, this is relatively new because I got this game at Christmas. Ooh, uh, wow, that's brand new. But I liked everything about it. I've played it twice since then, okay. and including I bought the expansion for it. Um, it's a very cool animal game. This is Endangered. I wow. re- I really that dig this game. Climbed. Yeah, it climbed. Uh, and it, it's funny because it's like it after that one play, it climbed on my list. But after the second play I just did with one of the expansion stuff, this thing might climb into my top ten. I I really do enjoy it because there's a lot of good thinky things where you're just like. There's no turn order. You guys get to decide who gets to go first. However, if it's the first turn, that player then takes his dice and roll them. And depending on their numbers, could lock other people out of uh, certain areas. Because what happens when you place a die, there's only so many spots on certain areas that you could do. And then the next person has to play a die higher. So if you place a two, three or higher uh, are the next ones that you can place on there. Therefore, if that happens, you can lock someone out. If you roll three sixes, you can lock people out. There, There is ways. There's a spot where there's no dice limit. So you can only move your dice onto one location at a, a, at a time, in a sense. You have to play all your dice. But like if I'm doing one action, I can't uh, redo it. So I can't go and do it for a second time. If I rolled a two and I have a three, I can't go to that same spot. I have to go to a different spot. So for one space, and it's basically this gives you, I believe, just money. It allows you to collect money, and there's no, no. there's no amount of die that can uh, limit to that spot, uh-huh. and there's no uh, amount of player like I could have two dice there if I'm like, you know what, I don't want to use these sixes to screw you guys because I'm taking the first turn. I'm just gonna put it here, collect money because you're gonna need money, and the whole goal of the game is you have to get through a certain set of amount of rounds depending on the player number. In four players, it's five rounds at the maximum. And you have to meet certain goal requirements. In a normal game, it's four goal requirements. How you get that is that you have to put influence on goal cards. And then the influence tells you a certain math, in a sense, how you do it. Where it's like, yeah, the number of influence here uh, could determine, plus how many dice are on the basic cards um, mm-hmm. will give you a check mark. <clears throat> or another one is like based on a number of influence here, you get to roll this many dice, and if you get a certain number, like a five plus, you win. Or you get this influence mm-hmm. card. You do two checks of it in the fourth round and the fifth round in a four player game. In a two player game, I think it's eight and nine. Okay. Um, three player, it's like five and six or something like that. It's it's an interesting number, hmm. but there's many ways to lose. Um, if after all those checks and you don't meet the goals. You lose. If you get three of the four, you lose. Okay. Uh, you need to get all four goals. You, you don't get a reward for getting a fifth goal. Just you—you kind of want to hedge your bets by you know spinning out there. 
Uh, and another thing, all those goals are face down until you put an influence on it. So it's like, oh, God, I don't know which one we're going to work for. So you have to start putting your influence out there to flip those cards up. And then you're going to be like, okay, we know where this is going. So maybe we should start just working on this one, this one, and this one, and that one over there because those two are not going to happen. Now, another way to lose is if you have less than two animals. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, and the third and final time you can lose is there's a certain number of tiles that you put on the board that are bad. So, like, if you're playing the sea turtles, it's trash because they'll eat the plastic. If you're playing uh, tigers, it's deforestation, and they have nowhere to breed and stuff like that. So if you have less than two, you don't have a breeding pair. If you have uh, all the tiles gone, the forest has been destroyed, and there's no breeding for the tigers, uh, or if you don't make your goal. It is really, really good. It's really tight. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do. At, yeah, endangered. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, mine number 28. That's what we're on right now. Yeah. Right, 28. My number 28, you know, th- this dropped 10 spots from 18. You know, okay. which is still, too bad. still tolerable. Um, it's there are times where I feel bad after teaching a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because maybe I, like, you know, do, do it too vaguely or, like, the players are still confused. Maybe I rush through the explanation. Yeah. And then there are times where, like, Five years later, my friends are still giving me garbage for it. <laughs> it's power grid. It's power grid. And because... And I still do not take ownership of this. I I will I will say one thing during my explanation. I Sure, I may have needed to clarify that, yes, you only buy one power grid per turn, one, pl- one plant, but you can populate as many cities as you want. I never said you couldn't populate the cities... But you, I under- we were all new gamers. But so. I understand that that was implied. And one of the first games I ever taught this man, along with three other people, or like three or four other people, it was almost a full contingent yeah. for Power Grid. I didn't make that clear enough, apparently. Let, let's I don't. It, I don't think I. I don't think I taught it wrong. Let's I put it this clearly way. didn't make that clear. Power Grid can be decently long, not too bad. Sure. Uh... Our game night then was four hours, five to nine. Yes. He comes over after three and a half hours. You guys no, are still... No, it was only three. It was three and a half because it was almost closing time when you're like, you guys are still playing this? What? Why are you still playing this? And you're like, and we're telling you why, and you're like, oh, I didn't explain that you can do this? And we're like, you should have seen no. all the eyes that turned on you. <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those moments, because it literally says, like, man, if only we could build in more than one city per turn. I was like, oh, you can. (laughs) And just that gas, it sucked the life out of the air all of a sudden. You guys were like, I hate you. (laughs) And you've never let it down. Nope. One of my picks will be Power Grid one of these days. Oh, you bring Power Grid? I'm bringing out Architects. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Be, no, be, the reason being is I do think that you guys, uh, I need to, ex, I need to show you this game in the proper setting in a not angry in a not. Yeah, the yes, death players I got that day. That day. Um, I need to, I need to show you guys really like knowing the proper rules. Now that I'm better at teaching, <laughs> I hope maybe I'll forget like a really obvious rule. It's like, oh yeah, we're supposed to bid money for this. I thought we we're just guessing points. What? Yeah. It, yeah, I, I, I need to justify. I need to show you guys I just thought of something. how much better it is. But I don't know that for sure. Does this show more recent videos or 
It may. Oh, we'll right. see. We're, we're going to pause here in a bit, but uh, that was my number 28 power grid. I still like Freedom and Freeze games a lot. This is no, no exception to that. It's awesome. It's a fantastic economic game. Again, it's not really my style, but this one, for some reason, hits on all cylinders. I feel bad that you had such a bad experience, but I don't feel bad that I enjoyed it so much, so I can't wait to play it again. Power Grid. Number 27. 27. You? Mine is a campaign game that I have already played all the way through. Um, now, they have, made, they have made an expansion that I haven't played yet, but this one combines um, technology... Throughout the campaign, yeah, it has this, it has an expansion through a campaign game. Um, this is Detective, modern oh, okay. crime board game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you played the entirety of it, right? The no. base? No, I've only played the first two. Oh, okay. Th- those are the hardest two. Yeah, the first one we got destroyed. S- solo uh, spoilers aside, you those first two we were genuinely questioning if we were playing it right because we felt so dumb after playing it. Because it, it grades you at the end of the each of the games. And after it, it'll tell you, like, you know... I don't remember the scale, but let's say a 1 to 10 scale. And we got, like, a 2. Maybe. Maybe we even hit negatives. I don't know. But we got pretty bad. And after the second game, we're like, man, are we even doing it right? Like, why is it so difficult? And then, But I will tell you, it gets better. I promise you. Oh, yeah. It may not be great now, but it gets better, Daniel. It does. No, because by the end of the five, it's fantastic. Because the story is good. You start getting better and better. It starts easing up a little bit as you start to learn and make less logical leaps of, of or leaps of logic and actually solving stuff in a better way. Once you get a good grasp on it, I like it a lot. I haven't played the, the, the expansion yet. But we did play the older version of it. There was um, that they they have different scenario packs that you can mm-hmm. play, and they have kind of like a cool setting. One of the neat things on this uh, detective, and this is, again isn't spoilers, so don't worry. Um, you use a computer for part of it, and that simulates your database. And since um, detective is like set in a very specific time frame, it the computer database looks like of that time frame, mm-hmm. and so it's super neat. And it does it every time. The components, they're fine, but the storyline, it's absolutely fantastic. If you're not a fan of the, fantastic. the components, uh, BGG has uh, Geek Up bits for, yes. for the game. So. Exactly. And the, but on top of it, it actually references like real-life stuff that's mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Yeah. And it not only does it tell you <coughs> that like, you are essentially the detective trying to figure it out, there are certain parts where it'll have like a little Wi-Fi logo next to some of the terms. And it actively encourages you to go research that yourself and learn about the actual point in history that it might be talking about. Mm-hmm. And so talk about a game tricking you to learn, like especially <laughs> through history. This does it in such a more engaging way. If I taught a history class, I would 100% put detective in my in my lesson plans. Cool. So that's detective, monocrine. Oh, it jumped up significantly from number 48. All right, moving on to my number 27 is another one that jumped up significantly. Not as Ooh. as high as yours. It went from 43 to 27. That's not bad. Um, and this is a game that's in the Dawn of... Or in the Ulos world myths. So, role-player... Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, role-player adventures, that sort of stuff. Okay. This one is the worker placement one. Mm. This is Lockup. 
a role player tale. I, I do like this one a lot, and we were just talking about a game that I recently played and you recently bought, where um, uh, uh, Pillars of the Earth. Mm-hmm. I finally played one of the best uh, worker placement games that people talk about all the time. Well, this one does something not similar per se, but it does the whole this triggers first, this triggers first, and uh, it triggers in a path. Yeah. And so this one is more worker placement slash area control because whoever has the most power in a certain mm-hmm. location is going to win the top resource, and then second place will get the next one and so forth. Um, but I do like the fact that you place all your workers out. Most of it is information for everybody to see, but you can play two of your workers face down. Everybody has the same workers. They have the same powers. They have the same abilities. But then you're going over there like, okay, but what worker did he put there? Why is that face down? I see this and this and this is here. So that's either that worker or the big worker, which is number five over there. But it's not that one because, wait, what's going on here? And so you have to think about certain things. But then you turn in those resources to help you get points. Most points at the end of the game wins you the game. Mm-hmm. Very phenomenal. Uh, very well done. I love... Uh, I have the upgraded bits where it's now tile or like clay bake tiles type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like... Uh, big light. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like the tiles from um, uh, Azul. But oh. they're, they're larger and thinner. But they're mm-hmm. that kind of quality or the geek up bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just... It's really nice. I really do enjoy this game. I want to get to the table because I have the expansion for it now, so I want to try it with the new expansion and see how that goes because it gives cool. you a little sideboard. But yeah, this one is Lockup uh, t- uh, Role Player Tale. Very cool. On to our next. Number 26. Number 26. Starting with me. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned earlier that uh, Harry Potter uh, was basically replaced with a better with better campaign games yeah. and better deck builder. Toy Story. This is the highest deck builder for me. Oh, wow. Uh, 26 fact, is the highest deck builder? Uh, that I could think of. Okay. So let me check I mean, here. I, I believe you, but it seems like there would be something in the top 25. Uh... Uh, yeah, no, it is the highest deck-building game. Okay. Um, and I, I mentioned Lost Ruins of Arnak earlier. This one, for me, is the, uh, from what it looks like, the best out of the Phil Walker-Harding series, too. Oh, wow. I do enjoy wow, this one. I already know what this is. I do enjoy this one a lot. I like the fact that it's um, ex- not expandable, but you can choose... To, variable, that's the word I'm looking yes. for. It's variable because you're playing with only three decks out of the eight that come in the box other than like you know the basic stuff that everybody you start with for every game uh and then i like the fact because it's a race game rather than most points Mm -hmm. Uh, you you still score more points but it's a race because that triggers the end game Mm -hmm. but the person who goes furthest along the track is more than likely going to score more points more than likely uh, but the cards also, some of them are some points and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i i do adore this game and honestly this is my go-to teaching worker place or not uh, deck building games to people this yes. is uh very simple it's you like any all deck builders you have cards that give you powers or this one case allows you to go on along the path so you get by powers there is some stuff that i think needs to be fixed if they ever did an expansion like if there's just eight power cards all the way through the top of the deck it's very yeah. Very hard to actually, so there's got to be another way to cycle it. Like, yeah, spend yeah. some of your energy to cycle this deck or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just because we ran into that where it took us, it took longer than it needed to because nobody could get the buy power up to buy those eight cards because you have those cards for a group, but even then, if you're not drawing 
cards up like you want because you could discard cards for energy. I don't want to use this. I'll use this for energy, but we couldn't sure. get eight uh, to get one card or someone did and then another eight flipped up. And it's just like it took us like two mi- or ten minutes just to get that one gone and now we have to do this all over again. But other than that, it's a really, really good deck building game. It's really simple and really easy to teach and great quality mm-hmm. for its price. However, I highly recommend you sleeving it because yes. that was the only thing is like they miss on the card quality on this one. I understand why they did it. Yeah, but they because they're under thirty bucks. Yeah, the, but they're so chintzy, and it's a deck builder. So this one, the cards right. need to be shuffled; they need to be done. So my buddy actually just picked this up at Walmart for like eight bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's a great deal. Mm-hmm. And you know the best part about it the the boxes that the tokens or that the cards come in, mm-hmm. they will fit perfectly sleeved. Nice. So get some sleeves. You have no reason not to. Yeah, I highly recommend it. All right, talking about easy upgrades. My number 26. 26 was number 85. Wow, let's jump. And again, I've had this game for so long. This is uh, one of multiple pirate-themed press-your-luck games that I own. Yes, I own more than just one. But this is my favorite. Pirate-themed press-your-luck? <laughs> yes, pirate-themed press-your-luck. This is not the only one I own. <laughs> is this what is this one called? I can't remember the name of it. It's the one that has like just like this a drawing of a sword or a siren yes. and stuff like yep. that. Yeah. Dead Man's Draw. Dead, there we go. I also own Captain Carcass, which is it's a retheming of it. It's essentially the same game. But I also own Port Royale, which is also a pirate themed press your luck yeah. game. No, this Dead Man's Draw, it was brilliant. It came from Mayday Games originally. Uh the idea is very simple. You have 10 different suits of cards. They're numbered anywhere from 2 through 6 of each. Maybe 2 through 7. Yeah, 2 through 7. On your turn, you're going to draw a card and add it to the row. And you're going to continue doing so until you either choose to stop and score all your cards. Or you get two of the same suit. Mm -hmm. So if I flip over a sword, and then on a later turn I flip over another sword and it's in the same row, those immediately get discarded. My turn's over. I've pressed my luck too far. But each one of these cards, each suit, has its own ability. So like the sword, you might steal another player's card. On the hook, you get to take one of your scored cards and put it into the row, activating its ability. The oracle, you get a peek at the top, at the top card of the deck and decide if you want to keep going. Anchor, you get to save all the cards before it if you do bust. Kraken, you don't have a choice. You have to play the next two cards. All of these different things. And I still remember all of those uh, all of those mechanisms because it works so well. And there's so many variable player powers. There's u- universal goals mm-hmm. where you score all of the cards or just your lowest card of each suit. Because um, normally you, you put them in suit stacks. And so if I have a 3, a 5, and a 7 of Krakens, I'm only going to score 7 points. I score whatever's on top. The yeah. highest number. And But then that's also the one that gets damaged by like cannons or stolen by swords or whatever. And so, the idea is you're just trying to get the most points by the end of the game. When the whole deck runs out, that's it. There was an app, I believe, originally for this game. Sure. Um, yeah, I I don't know if it's still available, but I do remember there was, and I remember this is just a riot of a good time. It still goes over well. Dead Man's Draw, again, it's one of those ones where it's like it fell, and I'm like, why did this fall? And every time I play it, I love it, so jump it back up. I love it again. Dead Man's Draw, my number 26. All right, moving on to our 25. All right, the top 
quarter of games. I'll be starting us off. My number 25 climbed up from number 41. This is a deck builder. Speaking of Tasty Minstrel, this is a deck builder. I know what it is. That is space. I know what this one is. That is action selection. Yeah, it's a good one. It didn't make my list, but it's a good one. Yeah. This is the first one. A friend of our podcast, um, he runs his own podcast. It's an RPG one. I met him at a convention, and we were talking, and he said, Hey, have you played this game, Eminent Domain, yet? And I said, No, I haven't even heard of it. He's like, Do you know who Seth Jaffe is? I'm like, No, not really. He was like, No, okay, Tasty Minstrel made it. He was like, I don't like deck builders at all. This game is amazing. And I was like, 109. Okay. 109. Barely missing it. <laughs> yeah. No, th- this was one of those games where I was like, Okay, um, I mean, I've seen it, I know people like it. I, I could probably guess why they like it, but I don't like space themes that much. Like, it's okay. It's fine. Like, but I'm not, if you tell me it's like, oh, check out this really cool game. It's space. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, yeah. whatever. It's not going to change my opinion uh, one way or another. I'm indifferent. But this one, the way that you take a card, kind of like Abandoned All Artichokes, that card that you take gives you a major action and a bonus for taking that card. You add it into your deck, and then you can play multiple cards of the same copy. There's really only five cards you play with, uh, six technically. But you, you can play multiple copies of that card and take a bonus action, and then everybody else can either follow that same action for the lesser benefit, mm-hmm. or they can dissent and just draw a card from their deck. Yeah. So you're going to be actively drawing or choosing whether you want to keep going or get this action, or possibly do a different action, or whatever it is. Well, to, to when it gets to your turn, when you can actually play stuff and do all these other cool things with it. It's a brilliant system. It it combines, like, uh, Dominion and Puerto Rico in, okay. like, a really interesting way. That's a good combo, I think. Yeah. I think uh, it's a good comparison mm-hmm. um, just because it is that action selection, but it is deck building at the same time. So I do enjoy this game a lot. Awesome. Like I said, it was, it was 109, I, and I think it would probably make my top 100 if mm-hmm. I played it more. Yeah. I own a copy, and I haven't played my copy. Right. Uh, it's, it's it's weird to get to the table. This was my yeah. number 41, so it did climb up. All right, so uh, speaking of climbing up, this one went up a few spots. Uh, went from 31 to 25. This is one of probably... Uh, an, it's an older game I, that I bought back in 2019, but it was old then-ish. I think it was only six years old then. Uh, you finally, finally got to play this game. Speaking of history. Okay. All right. This is my number 25, Freedom, the Underground Railroad. Yeah, this is cool. I, I Like I said, I'm a huge history buff. I really like um, good historical stuff, like, especially this one when it comes to, like, Civil War era of America. Mm-hmm. I love, like, ancient Europe, like Greece, Macedonia, and stuff like that. But I also really enjoy like Civil War era stuff because it's just it's, it's our history it's stuff that we uh, have to look through and I love the way this plays it is a fun historical relevant game that tells a really tough story in a very well done way uh, it, it is it is rough because it is talking about the slavery uh, and the lead up to the Civil War and your abolitionist trying to build up the end of slavery, but you're also trying to free slaves into Canada, 
um, and you're trying to avoid slave catchers. And what I like about this yep. one too is the cards in the game are actual photographs. And I know I mentioned I didn't like screen caps because of uh, Harry Potter, but this one's important because it's like, this is an actual photo of, say, Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And, and then it gives you a little context of who it was at the very bottom. Academy Game has done really well with mm-hmm. historical games. Mm-hmm. This, by far, is my favorite one of theirs. But I also do like the fact that their their understanding of the, the material and how it could affect classrooms because you can go onto their website and they, they will send plans. you a lesson plan mm-hmm. to integrate this game into your schools if your schools will allow it with everything that's going on right now. No. But this is such a phenomenal game. And it's a game first with historical about it. That's what I think what, what they really did well is they went out and made a good game mm-hmm. and then put a theme on it that makes sense. I can't wait until you become a high, a high school history teacher <laughs> and you just play board games for class all day. Oh, yeah. You know, great. Timeline, <laughs> trekking through history. history. Uh, yeah, uh, all of them. Anachrony, <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah. so, they're, they're, so no, uh, there's been that. talks that I might be go yeah. back to school to get that just because I, w- I do like history. I love history. The, you would be the first history teacher that's any fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> So every history teacher. It's funny. I've had some really fun history teachers that really just hampered how, or not hampered, but really shined why I liked history. Yeah. But most of them, I don't remember were in college. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why. Yeah, yeah I had really I mean, good professors. I, you know, if I had to do anything that was history, it'd probably be political history because I, I that stuff fascinates me a lot. I, but again, you would you would be a great history teacher because you'd just be playing board games all day. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my number twenty five, Freedom, the Underground Railroad. All right, very good. Twenty four. Twenty four. All right, I'm starting us off. My number twenty four is a crossover. Praise be. Okay. And it was not only just a crossover, uh, with you, of mm-hmm. course. It was a crossover with this video. Uh, Trekking Through History. No. Really? No. Wow. Wow. I'll give you a hint. It's a deck builder. Summer camp. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Saw that coming. Yeah. Summer camp. Everything you said about it. I couldn't agree more. My number 24. It jumped up from number 30 from last year. Um, summer camp is awesome. It really is. It's really good. Bill Walker Harding. Like, I was already really anticipating it, and he set the bar higher than what I was anticipating. I was like, I know how much he likes to streamline mechanisms. I know how subtle his games are, how how elegant they are. And the fact that he did this with a deck builder, it still has his flavor on it. Yeah. It still works really well. And then he uses that in a really neat, interesting way. It's brilliant. Summer Camp, go buy a copy, seriously, right now. All right, my number 24 is another crossover putting us at 12. This is already on your list, I believe, Ten? in the last list. Um, Kramer. Azul? No. Oh. Well. Oh. You mentioned it on this list when you were talking about a different game. Oh, jeez. I don't remember that long ago. That was a whole computer crash ago. <laughs> Maybe. I don't... Uh, Kramer? Kramer. Like, of Kramer and Kiesling, right? Wolfgang Kramer? Yeah, Wolfgang Kramer. Not the Seinfeld character, right? No, not... No. <laughs> I, <laughs> you mentioned it, so... I, that doesn't mean I remember a Kramer game. Uh, they just made a kid version of this game. Quacks of Quenlinburg. Oh, 
That's not Kramer, though. You said it was Kramer. It's Wolfgang about... Warsh. Oh, Warsh. Okay, my Warsh. bad. My bad. Warsh. Yeah, you have to you have to say like as if you're washing the dishes in a southern style. You know? Okay, so my bad. Wolfgang uh, Kramer. Yeah. Uh, Very different designer. Quacks of Quinlanburg is such a good game. I I like everything about it. it. Push your luck without you know, you know, but you when you bust you still get something. It doesn't end your turn. Uh, there's still some reward for it. I love the pieces in it. I would upgrade the pieces just because they're going to start mm-hmm. peeling up and stuff like that. But it's still a phenomenal game. I want to try some of the expansions with it. Heck, I want to buy myself a copy of Quacks. I just haven't yet. And, yeah, so I'm not going to belabor the point. Let's just move on. But, yeah, Quacks of Quinlanburg, my number Fantastic. Fantastic press for luck. Like I said, there's only a one reason. Did I already say question? Yeah, it was in your, like, 40s. Number 12. All right. So now number 23. 23. There we go. I'll start us off. Put down crossover number 13. Because you just talked about it not too long ago on how pretty of a game it was, how it teaches history, how it's amazing, and how it's brand new. I knew was this going to be on your list. Uh, trekking through history. Yep, trekking through history. Again, everything you said about it. <laughs> which we might have to re-record, but everything you said about it <laughs> and everything you will say about it, I like it a lot. Trek through history. I'm not even going to belabor the point. This is brand new to my list. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, by the way, uh, Quacks of Quinlanburg went from 19 to 24, and this next game I'm talking about here dropped three spots. It was originally number 20. It's now 23, so not much of a move. Um, and I think this is going to be the start of my Stonemaier runs. I mean, I think I've had others in here, mm-hmm. but this is still one of my favorites of his. In fact, one of the its expansion is going on sale tomorrow on pre-order. Um, I think it's for champions only, but I could be wrong. Uh, but it's not getting a big box treatment though out of all those games because it's going to come with a custom insert that'll fit everything Ooh, in that box. Fancy. Well, it's not going to come. You have to pay extra for it. But, yeah, it's going to be a folded space insert that will fit everything, including all three expansions. Wow. That's it's actually one of your favorite Stonemeyers too. It is. It is, hands down. Number uh, 23 is Tapestry. Now, it is calling itself a civilization game. It's a civilization theme of a game. But it's mainly just working with tracks. And what I like about the, the tracks part of it is is that the opposite tracks work really well together. So, like, if you're really doing a lot in war, then you can do a lot of exploration because they work really well. If you're doing a lot in the tech track, well, maybe you should concentrate on your science because that's going to help you on that track as well. Yeah. I, I love a lot what's going on here. It, it, it's got really good systems. It just doesn't fill a civilization game. But it's still really, really good. I do. I don't think that's worth knocking it. No, it doesn't knock me. And I know it doesn't for you, but anybody who says that online, it if it's themed like I mean, just it's themed that way, so therefore it is that style of game. Yeah, I I I mean, I do like the fact that he's uh, since it first came out, he's been working in errata different uh, civilizations. Mm -hmm. Like some people are saying, hey, this is very powerful. He's the first game designer or just a company that says. Okay, well, here's a stat or statistics. Give us how much you won by, or give us the points that you did when you use this uh, thing, and so I'll fix it and try to balance it. So he's yeah. constantly balancing this game as you're going, yes. and I like that because mm-hmm. in one of the expansions, 
he printed the erratas on one card on yes. the back. So he's like, okay, you're this civilization, you start with this points, or you start yes. with this. I love everything he's doing yep. with this game, and that's not even playing the game. I enjoy the mess out of this game. I like when you're pulling stuff off, it gives you more rewards based when you uh, go into like an income phase. Um, so it's just like, okay, I got to concentrate on this, get all this up because I'm going to get all this point or resources for I can use to yeah. play on this track over here. So like if you're really working on one track, like let's say the exploration for, you can get the, the landmarks there. Mm-hmm. But then I also like the getting the stuff and you're trying to fit it in the thing. Cause you can get resources if you finish a column or a row. But I also like the fact that the landmarks could hang over, but you kind of don't want them to hang over. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a good game. I really do enjoy tapestry a lot. Yeah, Tapestry, it really is one of my favorite Stonemaier. It is my third favorite. Yeah, because uh, Libertalia went to number two. Yep. <laughs> Libertalia went to number two, hands down. But it is my uh, second favorite design by Jamie Stegmeier. Yep. So, cool. <coughs> really well done. All right, moving on to 22, right? 22, that's right. Starting with me, 22. We've mentioned its predecessor already. I've mentioned it in my thing. And I've threatened you with its predecessor. Yes. Uh, this was originally 24, so it's jumped up a couple spots. I do like this one a lot. It's my favorite of the three in this series, and probably my favorite game out of this designer. Okay. Do you have an idea what it is? Yeah, it's one of the West Kingdom yeah, yep. Raiders. Or no? That's Raiders of the North, North Sea. North um, Sea. If it's a West Kingdom, Paladins. Paladins of the West Kingdom. Yes. I love this game. It's it's a really really good game. Um, it's funny because I'm noticing a trend is like I like either really quick games or my crunchy euros are really moving up. Mm-hmm. But I this is a crunchy euro. This is probably not my heaviest, but one of my heaviest games. There's I think two more coming up that are heavier than it. Three maybe. But mm-hmm. yeah, I like the way this works is that you're working on this side of the board, you're pulling things off over here for you to get better rewards on this side, you're yep. using the workers to, you know, place here to pull this off to go over here, which then you can pull this off, which gives you like all these different rewards. It's very, very crunchy. It's a very, very heady game. Yes. But I like everything about it. It's still my favorite of the Shim Phillips series. I haven't tried Wayfarers. I've heard really good things about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scholars of the West Kingdom is coming, or Scholars of the West, or South Tigris, I think is what it is. That's coming to Kickstarter soon. I, I enjoy a lot of his games. Um, and it, it's funny because, like, you don't really, if you miss out on the Kickstarter, it's fine. Because he doesn't do it like where other people do, where it's just like stretch goals after stretch goals. You don't get FOMO. If you can't get it now, when it goes in a store, you're basically getting the same thing. Yeah, so why back it, right? Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. No. Don't even back it. Don't worry about it. It's a waste no, of your time. but if you can't back It's a pre-order it. system at that point. And there's a problem with that? Yes. Kickstarter is to help people who can't just well, pre-order he's, it. he's also a small company. So he does need the funds to help him get it where it's published in the game. I'm talking about it's help. he needs it to help him get the game in the stores. Sure. But he's not uh, saying, hey, here's the, for FOMO. If you can't right. get it, if we make enough money, it's still going to go into stores. You're just not going to get it before other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just have to wait till it goes in the store. If he gets it out to us in, say, like April, like if it was a, or right. using Kickstarter, you'll probably be able to pick it around Gen Con time if you just buy it in the store. Right. It's not something where, like, CMOM, where you're going over there, oh, God, i got to back this, or I'm going to miss out on all these Kickstarter yep. exclusives. I like that. It's not just a pre-order system. It's more along the lines, like, you're helping a small company make a game, and then once it gets there, then the publishers might pick it up. 
So I do like his stuff a lot. I like how he does Kickstarter. He's not hurting people's bank either. No, no, he he's reasonable about it. <laughs> All right, that was my number twenty-two. I'm saying Kickstarter ain't what it used to be. That's Being a pre-order thing. system now. Well, you know who uses it a pre-order system? Uh, everyone. Main, uh, there's one company that's really bad. Oh yes. About it. The yeah. ones that just gave us our yeah. Stefan Feld stuff. Yes. Yeah, Queen Games <laughs> is pretty Queen bad Games. about it. No, yeah. I yeah, I know. <laughs> They're worse than Jim Phillips is. Yeah, I, I know. My number twenty two. Yep. Dropped from number fourteen, so only a little bit, only about eight spots. But uh this game is absolutely awesome. Um it's still one of my favorite games of all time. San Juan oh, second it's a, edition. It's a good one. This is Puerto Rico, the card game, basically. Yeah, better um, Puerto Rico. Yeah, if you like Race for the Galaxy, but you don't like good art, I highly recommend <laughs> San Juan. It's pretty ugly. Wait, you're saying Race for the Galaxy is pretty art? I mean, don't Compared get me wrong. Compared to San, San, Juan. San Juan. is ugly. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to deny that fact, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's... I, I 100% think that this is one of the funnest games that you could do. Again, it's one of those... You choose an action, everyone... It, it uses a lot of similar things that Eminent Domain does, mm-hmm. although this was first. Yeah. And uh, Race for the Galaxy was also at the same time, and it's highly similar. The only difference is, is this one, one person the chooses the main... The iconography is way better. <laughs> um, it's not color-dependent, which is awesome. No, one player chooses the action, everyone gets to take that action, except the player who chooses it gets a much better version of it. Yeah. Simple as that. You're building buildings, trying to get resources. Your cards in your hand are basically your currency that you're going to pay for things, mm-hmm. which is a simple but brilliant system. Mm-hmm. Like, if you draw a card that costs five, you have to discard five other cards just to play it. Yeah. Unless you get the benefit, which costs you one fewer. And every card has their own little special abilities, depending on what kind of buildings they are. Some, the six-cost buildings, give you extra victory points. There's another one in the middle that'll let you uh, change, like, your hand size. All sorts of cool little twists and turns and bobs and weaves and stuff that are super fun. That overall, I think San Juan is a brilliant card game, and I'm looking forward to playing again next time. Now, yeah. just as a quick divergent, uh, thank you, Blunderbutt, <laughs> hilarious name, um, for joining us on our chat. And what Blunderbutt said is, I agree on the Kickstarter feels like pre-orders, like the $700 Marvel Unite. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I mean it. It it. I'm not going to go on the rant of it, but my. <laughs> We just ran a Kickstarter, or a company I was working with ran a Kickstarter, yep. and it was ve- much tougher than it would have been five years ago. Oh, yeah. Just because the whole dynamic of Kickstarter has changed. It's well, kind of a bust. Again, a know. lot of people are expecting stuff like Marvel yes. United when it comes to getting all the minis, getting yeah. everything done. And I mean, yeah, that that to me sounds like he's getting everything for Marvel United for that price. Because, right. I mean, the, the one that was running is about $300. Yes. Then if you want all the extra stuff for, uh, that's just the all-in for that one. But if you want all the extra stuff from the last Kickstarters, that just, I mean, the, the those big boxes uh, are 125 a piece just to add on to whatever that's you're That's obscene. Doing. Yeah, it's obscene. It's legitimately obscene. But that's what CMON has been doing. It's been ridiculous with CMON. Yes, it has. And, and it's not the only companies. There's plenty of companies that oh, are yeah. using it as a pre-order system. And that and that really is detrimental to the companies that really cannot publish a game unless they get funded yep. because they don't have that that uh, customer basis of like the hundreds of Kickstarter campaigns that they've already fulfilled. I mean, like okay, let's let's yeah. get off the rails. I digress. I digress. Yes, 
off to number 21. Two, one, the last one of this last list. Last one of our list today. And I'll start us off. My number 21 dropped from number 9. This is my first dropping from 10. You know what's funny? Yours did my two. number 21 came from 9 and is now a 21. <laughs> wow, okay, so ours both dropped the same amount. Is yours the same as mine? No. No, I know it's not. <clears throat> I, I know for but, a fact you don't care much for this game. Okay, well, I know for a fact you love this game. You know why? Because it's right there. What, Castles of Tuscany? Yes. That's a crossover. Yep. Add another to the list. That's number 14. No, Castles of Tuscany. It's a phenomenal game. It's Castles of Burgundy light, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you already talked about a little bit about it when you were talking yeah. about Castles of Burgundy. And I talked about it when, in an earlier podcast because I think it was in my 70s. Yeah. No, when the, this is just a fun game. It took everything that you like about Castles of Burgundy, streamlined it, made it like a Ticket to Ride style. Well, maybe a little more complicated than that. But Ticket to Ride style simplicity and uh, built had the engine building, have the double scoring track, which I love. Because you move up one track, and then every round at the end of each one, you're going to score yeah. that again. So <laughs> that's like this perpetual thing. The earlier you build something the more points it's going to get overall. Mm-hmm. But you also have to balance it because the stuff later on, you're going to get a lot more single points from by doing because it's a bigger set, larger area, easier to or harder to do, but that's why it benefits you more. I like it. I like how every time you get a tile, you get to add on to that engine. You get to do bigger and better stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's card-based, and so you might not have the cards you need, but he allows you to discard two light goods for one of something else. So if you just have a, a system, an ecosystem, where you can draw a bunch of cards and play off of that, then you'll always have more or less what you need. And so, I, it's awesome. If if you've ever wanted to play Castles of Burgundy, but you haven't, if, if you're not quite up to that level of Euros yet, it's not super hard, but even then, <coughs> if you're not comfortable getting that level of Castles of Burgundy difficulty yeah. yet, try Castles of Tuscany first. That'll be a great groundwork. I think you'll have just as much fun. Yeah. So uh, it, it was actually 40 spots uh, for me away from where you're at. So it was 61. Yeah. So my number 21, again, as I was talking with you, was number 9 last time we did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is a Star Wars <coughs> themed game. It's probably, yeah, it, it is my favorite, uh, my most favorite of the Star Wars series of games because you have... Um, Rebellion. You also have that um, the deception, not deception, descent one. I can't remember. Imperial assault. That's Imperial actually. assault. Yep. Yeah, this one's my favorite. This is a pick up and deliver game that, like I said, you don't like, but I do enjoy this one a lot. It's just I again, don't. I wouldn't say I don't like it. You think it, it overstays its welcome? It does. It very much does. Um, but you you don't have as much tie in as like the rest of the group uh, to Star Wars. You like Star Wars? More than you think. More than you give me credit for. But out of the four of us, you're the least of the Star Wars fanboys. I I know that for a fact. How do you quantify that? Um, Let's see here. I'm Uh, curious now. I own, Challenge me. I own all the stuff. I've watched most Just of the stuff. Just because you wasted more money doesn't mean anything. I've also um, read the books. I'm into the lore. I've studied Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Not Wikipedia. Wookiepedia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, 
And out of, and I know for the fact that uh, Bryce is just as heavy into it, and I know for a fact Dom is just as heavy into mm-hmm. it. In fact, Dom knows more lore than I do. Uh huh. So I highly doubt you're more into. Well, everything you said, I know how much you're into it. I, however, am not. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't know that. Yes, I did. <laughs> no, he's making it up. But no, um, I really do enjoy this one. I, it, it's I'm a simple, definitely. it's a simple pick up and deliver uh, game, and that, that's another thing. You're also more of a trekkie than Absolutely. anything. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think you're I the, you're the trekkiest out of all of yes. us. Oh, yeah, and it's Probably. funny because I'm the only one that's really big mix because I I've watched everything Star Trek too. I in fact, including the really really bad movie mm. or movies. Uh, yeah, the, I don't think it. <laughs> I don't know if you said. Movie, because <laughs> there's only been no, one bad one. There, there's one really hero, her, horrific movie out of Star Trek. Yeah, but they had the Christmas special for Star Wars, so I mean, that was pretty bad. I'll tell you this, I'd rather watch the Christmas Star Wars special than the first Star Trek movie. <laughs> Are you talking the original or the remake? The original uh, movie, so... With, yeah, with, with the original the cast. Occurred. I actually like... You like the first one? I mean, yeah. it's no Wrath of Khan. It's you, really you, not. You cannot call I yourself mean, a Trekkie. No, no. No, hold on. I will call up a Trekkie and he'll reach through the phone and slap you. Who would Who would say, oh, you like? That's like me saying, okay, if you like... But anyways, if you, if you don't like Star Wars, Wars Episode One, suddenly now you're not a Star Wars fan? Whatever. Star Wars. That makes you more of a Star Wars fan. No, I'm not dropping this, sir. We will fight over this. Hand me that lightsaber. <laughs> Alright, so my number 21 is Star Wars Outer Rim. Uh, I do like this game a lot. And that's it. So let's call it a night because I'm about to slap you with this kind of clipboard. I mean, I'm. You, you're just too cool to say Jar Jar Binks is amazing. I'm not a fan of Jar Jar Binks, but my wife loves Jar Jar Binks. He's alright. But the, I mean, he's the, annoying, the thing about but... it is, I see it like this. I grew up on the original trilogy. When uh, my wife was growing up, she actually got to see... The... That's just because you're old. Well, yes. <laughs> but that's why I don't like Jar Jar Binks, because I grew up on the original trilogy. Sure. My wife grew up on the new trilogy. That that's was true. That was her high school year, so that's mm-hmm. why some people like Jar Jar Binks. That's why yeah. I'm not a fan of it, because I didn't really like the comedy that he was going for in mm-hmm. that game, or that movie, but... It's fine. Okay. But well, the first cool. Star Trek movie was not that bad. Oh, it was horrible. It didn't have Jar Jar. Dude, I'll give it that. Honestly, <laughs> let's close this out. It's been two hours. Oh, it's been longer than that. Yes. All right. <laughs> With technical difficulties. All right. So, uh, Creative Chaos, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for joining in the conversation. Corrupt Senate, thank you as well. And Blunderbutt, welcome to the chat. Um, if you ever want to join us on one of our live video recordings and watch all of our wonderful technical difficulties live in action, like today, uh, you can always join us at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. As well as all uh, video re-uploads are on our official YouTube account at Everyday Board Games 2020 and if you like your do- what we do here, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not, like the video, and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games po- this uh, podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. And you can contact us directly, whether you want to say hi, uh, reach out, give us ideas for future episodes, 
um, entering contests how we may be running, or to tell Daniel why he's wrong and that Star Trek, the first movie, is actually pretty good, email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. I'll tell you flat out you're in the minority. All right. Well, when those emails come flooding in, you let me know what the response is. All right. Let's... <laughs> we want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Misa Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.